June the 14th, 2022. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. We got a little uh, NBA Finals quick thoughts for you. A couple MLB plays, but we're going to have a lot of fandom on this episode. We'll get the OB1 Episode 3 and 4, Parts 3 and 4 recaps with Matt Velasco. We'll get the Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness deep dive with Tim Kelly. And we'll get a full look into the Tuesday card at Louisiana Downs. There's a pick 5 carryover that starts in race number 3. We've got a lot to get to, so we cannot dilly-dally on this episode. That is presented by BetterThan.Vegas. Give them a follow at BTV Bets on Twitter. There's a live stream schedule every single day that is free for you. Free content, game previews, best bets from handicappers and gamblers all around the world, better than dot Vegas. NBA Finals, game number five goes to the Golden State Warriors in a game where Clay Thompson did not hit, or excuse me, where Steph Curry did not hit a three-pointer. He was 0 for 9. Clay Thompson did start to come to life a little bit in a game on paper that you, you looked at and probably thought there's no way Golden State can win a game when Steph Curry doesn't hit a three, right? There's no way Golden State can win a game. But Andrew Wiggins was incredible even though he didn't hit a three. He went 0 for 6 from three. Steph is 0 for 9 from three. As a team, Golden State shoots 9 for 40 from three, but they still win. From the 26 points from Andrew Wiggins, 13 rebounds. They got 15 from Gary Payton Jr., 14 from Poole, and Clay hit five threes for his 21 points. So a little bit from everyone else, and that filled in, and Jason Tatum continues to struggle shooting from two. He hit five threes. There was a stretch in the third quarter where it looked like Boston was going to take a hold of this series, and then in the fourth, towards the end of the third, the turnovers really start to wear down. Air balls. It just seems like Boston is a little bit tired from the the series that they've had to, to go through. You know, couple game sevens, lots of these fights. Feels like Golden State's got a little bit more left in the tank. We'll see if they can close it out with two games remaining. Golden State just has to win one of those two to get the job done. Uh, do a quick hitter show on Tuesday for baseball plays. I figured I might as well just... Give them over to you right now, too, if anyone's looking for a couple baseball plays today. And the first one, I went in uh, Logan Webb under 5.5 strikeouts on Tuesday. So this year, he's down over 2 strikeouts per 9 innings pitch. Last year, he averaged 9.6 strikeouts per 9. This year, 7.4. Playing against Kansas City, are they a great team? No, but they don't strike out a whole lot. They're actually just third in baseball with 7.44 strikeouts per game, which is the third least amount per team per game in baseball. Logan Webb under 5.5 strikeouts at minus 108. My other baseball play for today is going to be with the Reds at plus 108. Tyler Malley this year, he has a 5.07 ERA in 13 games. He has one game where he gave up 7 earned runs earlier in the year, and then one game recently where he gave up 8 earned runs. In the three-game stretch before giving up 8, he had pitched 17 in a third innings, and he gave up five earned runs in those 17. Eight hits, 18 strikeouts, a 2-6 ERA, and a 136 batting average against. Then he gave up eight earned runs. In the three games after giving up eight, he again was very good. 18 in the third, 12 hits, seven walks, 24 strikeouts, a 193 ERA, and a 179 batting average against. He just faced Arizona, just struck out 10 against them. Arizona's 4-8 and eight in June, 
and the Reds are 3-2 and two against Arizona in the last two weeks. Give me the Reds plus the 108 there. So just a couple of little quick hitter baseball plays for you if you are looking for some Tuesday action. Speaking of which, we're going to get right on into the horse racing portion of this episode, and we're going to talk some Louisiana Downs for Tuesday with a pick five carryover. Horse racing fans, many of us have been using the DRF, the daily racing form, for years, studying the races, keeping up to date on news with all the articles. I remember looking for a copy at the local liquor store or picking one up at the local racetrack, wherever I was going. Now it's even easier and cheaper than ever to use DRF with DRF.com and the newly optimized DRF Mobile. You can get all the tracks that you want to bet and handicap. Past performances that are mobile optimized for on-the-go handicapping on your phone. So you go to DRF.com from your mobile device, no additional cost. Tap the calendar icon on the top left. It opens all of the options for past performances and for the tools that are available. One click to bet now and DRF bets. Get real-time odds and scratches on race day. You can tap on any horse and you get those same DRF past performances that you're familiar with with a larger font for your mobile display. One click to formulator for charts for replays if you get the formulator version. And even on the classic past performances, you get the home screen with horses, with odds, with buyers. You get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph. You can rotate your phone for the best view. And any horse that you click on, you'll see the running lines. You can easily move from horse to horse. The same data as those traditional classic DRF past performances. You get an interactive format, which is... Very similar to the DRF Classic version that you're used to on the desktop. Every card includes live data updated instantly with those scratches. And so you get the accessibility from desktop to phone, cross-device functionality. You can take your notes and save them from one device to the next and then access your account on any of your devices. On-the-go handicapping and wagering multiple formats to view you got the overview page with recent speed figures current days odds easy access to expert selections and analysis you got the buyer speed figure graph with lifetime buyer speed figures and chart notes for every horse and you got those traditional drf past performances that are just newly optimized for your mobile phones they are constantly upgrading improving and making everything easier for you to get your handicapping done at drf.com better you want to spread your pony knowledge Download the Stable Duel app and play today. Royal Ascot games available this week. You can enter into the Wednesday game for Royal Ascot right now over on the Stable Duel app. Penn National, Delaware, and Royal Ascot games available 
for you on Wednesday. Stable Duel, get those entries in and play, race, win. Let's head on over and talk some Louisiana Downs Tuesday. Pick five carryover, $9,000 carried over into race number three, which starts their pick five in race number one. We've got Maiden Special Weights going five furlongs on the turf course. I thought the four in here might be able to outrun these Cajal, who was really, really quick in her fir- in his first start on the turf. He finished third that day. He has the type of speed who may be able to run them right off their feet. I'm going to go four, one, seven in here. The one horse should come closing late. Big scratch of the five, who I really liked in this spot. In race number two, maiden $5,000 claimer, six and a half furlongs, the distance. The number five, Shining Terry, had a good start, but he had to take back and and to get over. And he tried to get over, but he was still three deep. He has a little bit more speed than it might have looked on paper there. That was over at Oaklawn Park, that Shining Terry. The number three, Stormy Sermon, continues to drop. She did show some positional speed going long against better. Jive and Astro, the six, was a step slow inside, but was right up with the leaders. Five, three, six in the second. Pick five starts in race number three. I thought the three, box of pictures. Second start off the short break. She has some speed. She can sit just off. The barn has been doing well all uh, all meet with their limited numbers. The dam one on the turf, multiple graded stakes place. She's produced two siblings that have tried turf, uh, but one, they just tried turf one time each. This horse is one at six furlongs. She fits in here. Box of pictures. The number five, Chakra, tough to leave out off of that good recent form. The number seven, Airborne Girl, was three wide, did make a bid but couldn't get to the wire-to-wire winner, Harriet's Dream, that day. And you've got the uh, the two, Heated Argument, who's going to try turf for the first time. The eight, Sikkim, who comes out of some of the better turf sprints, but not a whole lot of recent speed. That runner-up effort last time out would make her pretty tough in here. Three, five, seven, eight. What do you want to do with the two? Another instance where I like the four and they scratched the four. So there were a couple horses I liked on the card today that got scratched. In race number four, with the scratch of the two speed effect, range of motion is going to be flying um, in here early on and, and should be cutting back. I think he's able to get the lead in here now without the uh, the two speed effect. Heather's request should be in a really nice spot. I think you can make excuses for his last two. He's proven at six furlongs. The five trophy daddy you may want to upgrade now with the scratches because he may be able to show a little bit more speed in here. Six, four, five in the fourth at Louisiana. In race number five, a mile on the turf course here. The number five gobbler needs a little pace to run at, but in this full field, he should get that pace to run at. The three, run Rocket. It's Wilson on the claim back. No knocks at all on this guy. He's uh, very, very solid and sharp. Makes a lot of sense in this spot. The seven is another one that's tough to leave out. Oh, my aching arch. He ran into a nice horse named Silent Tap when he stepped up and faced winners. And that was against Open Company. Now he's back in with Louisiana Breads. So that those three would be tough to leave out. Four, three, seven in all exotics for me. The one A, if you were looking to go a little deeper, and the eight would be sort of in that next tier, but four, three, and seven in race number five. Moving along to the sixth race, maiden five thousand dollar Louisiana bred claimers. Three and five both come out of the same race. I like them both as my top two. She thought the five, don't forget our dreams, ran deceivingly well. She 
had an unlucky start. She broke in. She kind of banged around. She got some. Tra- she was in some traffic. It was not an easy or comfortable first two to three furlongs. She settled nicely. Once she started to travel well, she got going late. She actually won a photo for fourth. Not bad. She's on the improve, as is Moody Raffaella getting ready to make the third start off the long layoff. She's the speed in here. She's the one they'll all have to beat. Five, three. You want to go a little deeper, one and six, but five and three are on my top tier. Closing things out at LAD on Tuesday. Another race where, gosh, there's a couple scratches in here that were a bummer. The six was a horse who I was going to single, chop a style. The two-horse Watson's Bay was also going to be on my tickets as a price. Now I'll have to go to the 12 screwball. I don't really love the outside post, but he does have some of the better overall turf form in comparison with this group. The number four, Monarch Man, if he's able to put forth anything even close to that turf race back in December, he should really beat this field easily. The five, Mosh Pit, the blinkers come on. His two turf races have been against better. He's lightly raced. He's got some upside. I think he deserves another shot in here. 12, 4, 5, not sure what to do with the one. Helio Chrome with the scratches now. The one will probably end up on a ticket or two of mine because it's not the strongest race in the world with uh, a few of those scratches. So a quick look at the pick five or at the full card for Louisiana Downs. Remember, there is a pick five carryover that starts in race number three. You can play for just 50 cents, and it's just a 15% low takeout. That is Tuesday for Louisiana Downs. Coming up um, in the next week or so, you're going to have some interviews on this show with full-service realtor Cindy Carava. She's going to tell you everything about CindyCarava.com, C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A.com, how she can help you out with buying, with selling, with leasing, how she can you know, connect you with the right type of lenders if you need help getting uh, approval for a loan. If maybe you're just wanting to you know, improve your home, she'll connect you with the right type of vendors that'll make things easier for you, gardeners, painters, landscapers. CindyCarava.com, C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A.com, one of the kindest and most genuine people you will ever meet. Okay, we get into Obi-Wan, episodes three and four. It's, uh, I was frustrated because Matt and myself last week, we recorded a full deep dive into Obi-Wan part three. The audio got lost. I'm still mad about it. So we came back, we talked a little bit about part three at the beginning, and then we got into part four. So we hit on both parts three and four here with the Obi-Wan deep dive. Okay, I'm staring at the recordings right now. It looks like they started this time. We are going to go and talk some Star Wars, some Obi-Wan. And uh, for a minute first, we have to make fun of me because I lost the audio. Matt Velasco and me talked for like an hour and a half about part three of Obi-Wan getting into everything, the deep dive scene by scene, everything. And it just caught like the last 15 minutes for some reason, which it didn't make any sense to me. I tried to get the audio for far too long. I tried everything I could to try to recover it. It is non-existent. It's out there somewhere in the ether. It was the best conversation we ever had though, Matt. No, I, I, it, it was a great, conversation i think now you know you have the rumored lost episode of that mm-hmm. she said and that's that, true i mean that's entering a whole uh you know the stratosphere of podcasting right like you're gonna have a whole a whole subreddit devoted to this lost episode that's that's a great point we weren't sure if there was some sort of interference with uh with the force it must have been it, the inquisitors because we hate these them anyways you know they've been just such 
just such like our least favorite part. So we can really just blame it on the Inquisitors. And why say doesn't they, Lucasfilm want our takes? Right? Yeah. Exactly. What were we? What did we say in that in that last episode that somehow someone out there said this cannot reach the uh, the light. This cannot <laughs> cannot be heard by other ears. Nonetheless, we'll give you some thoughts on uh, on part three, and then we'll get into part four and um, sort of ha- as we get to the the last third of this series we know this season it's only a six-part installment so we're already you know four parts in and some of the things matt from uh from part three that we started to talk about were whoa 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 darth freaking vader we really got an opportunity to see him in part three a little bit we got to see some of that that back and forth we got to see a little bit of the uh the face off between Obi-Wan and and Vader towards the end of the episode that mm-hmm. I think a lot of people had been sort of dreaming about or thinking that there were you know probably right. a lot of these a, lo- a lot of these things in text out there somewhere and and we got it in part 3 of a of a series on like a Tuesday night Wednesday yeah i i was talking to a friend after part three and and he's a bit older than me. And he, you know, he's saying like, this is what I am. I mean, I thought about this. I imagined this uh, kind of confrontation as, as a kid. And um, you know, that there was something pretty special about uh, part three, I think for star Wars fans. And, Mm -hmm. and as we talked last week for me, they, they just nailed Vader, his, his movements, the voice, the characterization, uh, the way in which you can feel Anakin's presence beneath the suit in a way that I don't think has ever been as palpable in in the Star Wars universe. Um, without getting into part four, I think there's more we can say about part three. I'm My feelings are clouded now on part three because of, of I know. how it part feels, four I agree. followed up part three or rather did not follow up right this this epic you know confrontation between vader and obi-wan uh that was so powerful and so difficult to articulate for obi-wan what was going on right his his confusion his horror and rather than the show grapple with what he has just experienced right again the his apprentice his brother he thought was dead is is back to life and he's this this absolute nightmare there is but a moment given a moment consideration to that in in part four and then we're off to adventure of the week and um and it's tough to i'm I'm pretty i was pretty and and we can we can hit them both right because we're we're gonna get into like we'll talk about three and then we'll we'll sort of but we're gonna hit both of them at the time and I, i i i feel sort of exactly where i can sort of hear you dancing around that if you were just watching part four on its own in a vacuum, a lot of it's fine. Like a lot of it feels very star Wars. Like we said, it's sort of the uh, adventure of the week. Gotta go save Leia again. We've got to sneak in here and Tala goes undercover. And there are a lot of cool little parts and little Easter eggs to it, but we can't really take it in a vacuum anymore because we're taking it sort of as part of this six episode installment, the six part installment. And now there are a lot of things like coming out of the interaction with Vader and with Obi-Wan where we were sort of talking a little bit last week, like he's kind of toying with him. Mm -hmm. Right. It almost, it felt like that through a lot of their battle. And then even 
when they were separated by fire for a moment mm-hmm. and and then we kind of see the way that it's followed up this week as if no Vader's sort of acting like he they let him go or that he escaped and it was sort of like the fire maybe that scared him and that he I, I didn't know what the interpretation was there there were just a few things in the follow up too that didn't yeah. seem like they were great and so I'm I feel a little different about episode 3 now than probably when we talked about it last week yeah, I mean, I, I think there's, you know, you bring up two points. So the first, right, is is this idea, essentially, we, we're, we're launching a part four. It's another mission, Storm the Fortress Inquisitorius. This show as a whole was billed, it is, right, a six-part event. I think the word they're using is event. Um, and yet I'm surprised Maybe I'm. I was naive. I'm surprised how much it feels like the Mandalorian. I know four episodes in, and I don't mean that. I mean, I I love the Mandalorian. I think season one and two are still, you know, a, a, a cut above the book of Boba Fett and and this show at the moment, right? Um, and it works for the Mandalorian, but here it just comes across almost as, um. Unimaginative. I know. A little, little lazy. Yeah, like a little safe. It's not, it's that it's the same template yeah. almost that we're going through. And it felt like we it felt like after part three, the mid-season, that we were gonna maybe go in a different direction and right. get episodes or parts where we would get maybe a little bit more Vader story, a little more Reva story, just maybe a little something different than just. Oh, they're in a new place. Got to save Leia from here again. New situation has to save Leia from here again. And it did. Right. It did feel like episode four. I don't know. And it it just didn't feel like we moved forward a whole lot from where we were. No, I mean, I think how are all the episodes? I mean, it obviously the chase, right, is yes. what drives the season. But, you know, episode two, you rescue Leia, you escape. Episode three, Leia's caught again. Episode four, you rescue Leia and escape. I mean, is there another is there another gear here? Or is this is this it? Like, is this the lane that the show has chosen? In which case, I frankly would be deeply disappointed. I agree. If, if, we, you... if we got two more <laughs> similar parts in parts five and six, because we could you can sort of see it happening. And again, we're coming to be combining three and four. We'll get into our deep dive of episode four, but we're going to talk about some more stuff from three and and how it relays. But at the end of part four, we're set up to where the Vader and Reva and the Inquisitors now know where Leia is. They're tracking her. And so they could probably come and get her again and have to be in that type of situation. Are we going to get that? It. I just hope it's not that again because he said it feels like we've been down there multiple times. And I even loved the little moment that Leia and Obi-Wan had towards the end of episode oh, four, yeah. where Absolutely. Absolutely. it was beautiful. Like they they had all just lost this friend, this guy Wade, who went in there and and basically like provided a distraction for them to get away and save their lives. Mm-hmm. You know, he he sacrificed himself for the greater good for all for, you know, for them to get away. And it's this moment where everyone's just sad, but Leia's also happy to be back with Obi-Wan where she feels safe. It's just a beautiful moment. I don't, I feel like if we go back through it again, it's like that, that becomes cheapened a little, you know, all yeah. these moments. 
I think, you know, I, this was the rare instance, well, maybe it's not too rare, where I actually came away with a, a slightly better feeling the second watch. Mm-hmm. The first watch, I was just kind of thrown for, like, we'll talk about how, how much happens in the first five minutes of this episode. I mean, they essentially fast forwarded through what could have been an episode in the first exactly. five minutes, which is getting to know this. Um, which was of, like full episodes of in Book of Boba Fett. Right. Like, just like, right. in the back no, of the I mean, tank, just for the, parts of, yeah. The, I compared it to the Mandalorian in structure, but in terms of my, <laughs> my worries and concerns about the show, it feels like we're living Book of Boba Fett all over again, where we get, you know, a couple solid opening episodes. And then there was that episode three that we podcasted about mm-hmm. where I was, I remember, you know, kind of trying to justify it and like, okay, they're moving pieces on the board, but they're not even, they're just juggling pieces in this show, right? There doesn't seem to be a, there is a bit of the world enlarging with the mystery deepening around uh, what, you know, what they're doing at the fortress and us learning more about the path. I mean, there is a bit, there's an incremental growth to the plot, um, but it, you know, it's just it's com- it's it, mind boggling to me. Why do you take why take Vader off the board in episode four? That's of- that's the there's so much stuff in, you know, in just comparing this to Book of Boba Fett. We we have some similar concerns in like, what is the story? But it felt like there is so much story here because we just didn't know how they're going to tell it or what exactly they're going to come at it from. How much Vader are we going to see? What we didn't realize it was going to be. Leia or this much young Leia but there is So much there and it just doesn't Feel like it feels like they're almost purposely not Attacking it like and they're I, saving I, it For something or I don't know they're Saving it maybe but but, but there's Also the possibility That they are steering Clear for, because to bring Vader in more you know Threaten some of those continuity Issues which I, I still think are there We can talk about them It It's this it's this narrow path that these shows are walking and that they want to please fans, but they also need to preserve the canon. And those are almost, you know, I guess the result of that is let's have a Death Star S rescue episode. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which I'm just, you know, it makes me a little pessimistic about the Star Wars projects overall. Like if, you can't you need to tell a new story or if you're gonna go back into the you know old trilogy well like tell us something new tell us something There's that it really some expands substance. our vision yeah. of these characters it can't just be flashy i keep thinking of what you were saying in book of boba fett where it's like these look like things to just sell toys or like hey look at this look at this cool yeah. stuff here cool stuff here and this episode felt like that in if this was just Episode or part one or part two when right. he first had to go save her. Right. I wouldn't right. or or even this he goes and has to try to get her there, then they take her, and it's all part of one one episode, right? Where yeah. he has to save her again and then he gets away and it's multiple times. But it felt like we had like two like a third of this show almost felt like we're doing the same thing. Yeah. Just the same thing over and over. And we don't even know what the next third of the show is going to be. So that's what's a little bit scary is that if it replays it again, it's not as if what we're watching is boring or not cool or fun to look at. It just yeah. you you know with with the 
with the players on the board here, like you, you hit mm-hmm. that too. There's so much they can do. Mm-hmm. And I think so. There's, you know, I always have to keep myself in check. And okay, this isn't the part four I might have plotted. First of all, I would never come up with anything half as good as part four. No. But this isn't the direction I thought it was going to go in. Fine. But then, you know, and we can do this in our step-by-step recap, like take even taking some elements of this episode on its own terms, there are this weird way in which even the story they choose to tell is rushed that Mm -hmm. undercuts its own impact, right? And so I'm talking specifically about the stuff on Jabim. Like this is the shortest episode of the season so far. And is this... I mean, who knows what's going on behind the scenes with budgets and scheduling and like, why not make the Jabim the first 20 minutes of the show, then maybe, you know, a 10 to 15 minute prep for the mission, then a 15 minute mission, right? You know, like, why not give us, why don't we, like, who's Wade? Like, nothing, wait, Wade, I'm like, wait, who is that? I know, (laughs) you don't feel as much for him as you could or should you're rushed it felt everything felt rushed literally we open at part four with them rushing into jabim to try to save obi-wan and everything is even blurred like it's like a blurry because it's supposed to be kind of quick but we we don't even really get great shots of of jabim or the end of the path or these some of the Jedi that might be around that the people helping them, there could have been, like you said, there's a lot of story to tell there even that. Right. I, you wonder why they chose to do it the way they do. And hopefully we find out. And hopefully when we do, we will say, okay, well, will, will that make sense? And yeah. we, a few things I uh, wanted to hit more on, uh, on part three yeah, there were a couple things that I really liked about that episode uh, that I wanted to at least mention. The description that Obi-Wan had of the Force there when Leia was asking him, young Leia, what does it feel like, the Force? He says, it feels like when you, you know, have you ever been afraid of the dark? She says, yeah. He says, what does it feel like when you turn the light on? She said, I feel safe. So it it was a literal like illumination, um, which I thought was a pretty cool description of uh, and, and one of the better ones. That I had heard and there were some good moments We've seen some really good moments between the three Of them and I I think they've you, you hit Vader I think they've Done a really good job with Vader they've done a pretty good Job with Obi-Wan and, and Leia all their Characters I like a lot of their stories Individually the one thing we keep Hitting on is sort of the continuity And now knowing how much Obi-Wan and, and Leia have been through We have to completely sort of Interpret their relationship a little differently yeah. In A New Hope right I, I'm actually coming around where their relationship is enriching to me. I think there's a way we can read A New Hope, uh, especially her reaction, you know, especially now that we know she's been rescued from interrogation by Ben Kenobi, right? When Luke shows up in A New Hope in the uh, Death Star holding cell and says, I'm here with Ben Kenobi, she goes, Ben Kenobi, where is he? Right. And so there's a way in which you can read A New Hope. Absolutely. I mean, Obviously, these are pieces that weren't meant to, you know, A New Hope is made in a completely different headspace than this show. Um, But nonetheless, I think there's a way where you can see, okay, the relationship between Leia and Obi-Wan is enriched. Um, One of the things that the the problem I'm having now with continuity isn't so much Obi-Wan and Leia. 
It's actually within the show that if Leia is being rescued by Obi-Wan and Obi-Wan and Vader knows that Leia is being rescued by Obi-Wan, I think he knows that, right? I think he knows that Leia is what he's after. Then how, why is there no blowback for Bail Organa? Like, how is she going, how is she and her father going to get off the hook of aiding and abetting the most wanted Jedi? Yeah. Um, and and that's I mean, this something... has got to be like, this is a thing now, right? She's been gone for a while. This wasn't yeah, just a no, few I mean, hours. I mean, She's been gone for multiple days. I'm sure there have been talks about where's his daughter, what's happening here. And yeah, I mean, uh, you know, if, if I had plotted, you know, part four, I would have wanted to spend time with Kenobi in his wounds, in his agony, uh, on a call to Bail Organa. <laughs> like, you know, Bail Organa is definitely not called to check in or we haven't seen it. Um, I think there is, you know, I, I hate to watch the show thinking about how are they going to make this work? You know, know. how are they going to handle these continuity issues? But th- my, a lot of the time my head is in that area, right? It's, and it's now I make you come on a solved. podcast and talk about it afterwards. So now you're right. really even thinking about it more. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, um, but no, you know, like to, to get back to your point with, with episode three, um, there, I do think the Leia Obi-Wan scenes, the affection between them, the way that Obi-Wan looks at her and the way she looks at him in multiple points and how their relationship is, is developing, I think is, is a really beautiful and touching aspect of this show. And so much so that I'm willing to read, <laughs> I can read I a agree. new hope to make that work. I agree. I, but I still think the show is this weird kind of Rubik's cube where you get a couple pieces lined up, but you throw other things off. And it's such a difficult calibration that I'm not quite sure where we're going to land. Like I know the dyad of Leia and Obi-Wan is working, but the way that the plot has to move to make their relationship work and at the same time to have Obi-Wan confronting Darth Vader seems to be making this whole contradiction about Bail Organa's putting himself at incredible risk and there can't be a, will there be a consequence for him? Does it matter? Is the show just going to overlook the fact that Leia, Vader's daughter, has come into her his radar in a very tangible way and he just isn't going to acknowledge it? Are they just going to ignore the Leia Vader stuff? That's that. We have two more episodes to find out. I feel like we're going to get something there. I feel I hope so. I hope so. But then at the same point, I hope it's like a short interaction and it's not just the same exact thing again. Like we said of, uh, you know, got to go save Leia again. But there, there's got to be something there be, between the two of them. Um, one or two I have more a th- prediction about this. I'll save it for the end of the episode. What they okay. might be working towards. So little little teaser there. Yeah. Um, we were introduced to Tala. She was disguised in, as an imperial officer, and she helped to save Obi Wan and Leia when they were out on uh, Mapuza. So, which was uh, what Southern California? We were saying the deserts of Southern California. It looked like yeah. they were walking around there on Mapuza. So Tala is a really um, she is from Game of Thrones. She is she's well, a badass. The, the actress is from yeah. Indira Indira Varma, uh, <laughs> Tala. She 
was she was she's a badass though. She's yeah. just she's awesome. She was disguised as an imperial officer. She helps to shelter Jedi. She helps get them for safety, and she shows us the path, um, which is um, a linking of safe houses through the galaxy. And she has helped many Jedi get to safety. She brings Obi Wan and Leia along the path. And they actually see the names of other Jedi written on the walls who have been around, and so this is something that is is a, a big moment. And she's important in these next two episodes. She's someone who's very selfless. She really doesn't have any reason to go out of her way to help everyone. Obi Wan even sort of asks, "Why? Why do you risk your life?" And she does multiple times risk her life for Obi Wan and for Leia. So she's someone who is is pivotal to the story and in uh, helping. Save Obi-Wan's life a couple times Yeah I've heard I This was probably on one of the Ringer podcasts A couple weeks ago Think you know Tala I was not that I, I don't want I didn't want her to die by any means Though kind of an obvious move The show could have made in part four Is to that she sacrifices Herself for Obi-Wan And Leia it would have been more emotionally Impactful you know I mean they didn't For whatever reason uh, but I could see her. So this is the prediction I heard heard on another podcast that they might be setting her up as a character in Andor, which will take place probably later than this show. Mm-hmm. So we might see her in Andor. I think so. I think Andor will take place closer to Rogue One, if I'm not mistaken. So um, at any rate, um, yeah, I think she's interesting and it kind of speaks to this. You know, we've seen in the show some glimpses into how the empire is rationalized right bail organa is a senator trying to do good from you know the inside tala is someone who believed in the empire initially and quickly became disillusioned in in part three we also met freck just a common you know common folk on mapuzo who who appreciates order right and loyalist yeah a, a loyalist so you know i i do think um, Rogue One did did some of this too, right? And uh, helping us understand what the Empire meant for people across the social spectrum is kind mm-hmm. of a cool, um, you know, some cool world building that Lucas we got a little bit of that in Mando too, right? Oh, there were yeah, the a couple of those episodes scenes, with Bill right. Burr, right? The Bill Burr yeah. scenes are the ones where. You know, just sort of hearing about yeah, who is the good guy? You know, who's who were the good guys, right? Yeah. We, it's just. This this great question, um, yeah, that's that that's something that uh, you notice in in part three, and then we finish up part three with the you know the face off. We get Obi Wan. He can Vader, Vader can sense him. He starts drawing out innocent people, just kill you, devastating stuff. This is the terrifying Vader that people you know had probably dreamed of uh, and and not seen a whole lot. We've seen. Someone like you know this version of Vader pop up a few times, and then he has a moment where he's really f- moving around and, and furious in the, in part four. And Obi Obi Wan is no match for him when they come face to face. It does seem like Vader at any moment could have just killed him. And they he wants to to torture him. Really, he 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 wants to make him go through some of the same pains that he has. So he actually sets fire to the ground at one point and. Drags Obi-Wan across it in coals Like burning his face And Tala has to come and save the day Kind of a goofy 
you know, ending there where they're just separated by fire and, and Obi-Wan does in fact get away. But we did get the the face off between the two of them, which I thought the Vader stuff and, and Obi-Wan stuff is pretty good. And Obi-Wan just seems like a, a, a shattered man who hasn't used the force in years and who, who's terrified to see this, this ghost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, he's totally out of his element, frightened. Um, I think just the physical performance by uh, Ewan McGregor does does so much. And and it's a, you know, I almost, I mean, he hits arguably, I think this is rock bottom for Obi-Wan on this show. I mean, in, in part four, he starts to uh, uh, use the force a bit more. We see him, you know, getting back into his groove. Um, I, I still... Like it's hard for me now to separate my excitement and and fear and I agree, you know, of this confrontation with the knowledge now that the the fallout was so quickly brushed under the rug. I mean, what is Vader? What does Vader do after this? He goes to his back to tank, but he's not on the Fortress Inquisitorius. What was his game plan? I mean, certainly he must have sent people to follow Obi Wan. I mean, because Reva's working on her own. I mean, mm-hmm. that's something we can talk about. Like, Reva seems to have her own plan. Mm-hmm. That wasn't... Most of the decisions that I think Reva's doing, Her even her interrogation of Leia, her capture of Leia, it wasn't clear that Vader knew that at the end of part three or at any point in part four, maybe at the end. Um so I'm kind of circling back in, into part four. I, I think the the confrontation raised this these really raised these dramatic stakes that were then just left to linger and dissipate in part four. And it's hard for me to, uh, you know, it, it see it seems like a missed opportunity to me, right? Some mm-hmm. random citizen who <laughs> watches these shows, <laughs> like I'm not in the writers' room. I don't know the 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 game plan. It's a six-part event. Um, it is possible this will make sense in retrospect, the decision to withhold here. But I said the same thing <laughs> after episode three of Book of Boba Fett. Like, this will ma- maybe this will make sense at the end. And it it did in the, it, only the mm, weakest way possible. Yeah. So it, it, it yeah. yeah, I agree. And let's hope we can get uh, to a different place in uh, parts five and six. But let's get to part four. Now, as um, we have Obi-Wan, he's wounded, Matt, he's headed to Jabim, and we open up first with the previously on, and then we arrive in Jabim, Obi-Wan burned, badly injured as Tala takes care of him, and we kind of hit on this a little before, it was just, it's so quick, there's just sort of blurry clips of Jabim, others on the path that are helping out, and People arriving sort of all around looking for help, but we don't spend any time there at at all. We just get right into Obi-Wan in the back of the tank. So he said, I wish we could have we 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 check in 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 a minute with Roken, but it's there's there were just felt like there was a lot there that we could have hit. Yeah, I mean, I, I like, you know, visually it's it's you could tell us that, you know, a character Someone can describe their pain, but seeing, you know, <laughs> Obi-Wan's body intercut with, you know, the uh, Anakin's body and 
burned limbs and scarred limbs and missing limbs. Like there is something kind of powerful to that visual storytelling. I, I what was more confounding, right, is that I think Tala even says your wounds will take time to heal. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, even even a, I would love a again. I, it's not just about what I want or need, but like it seems a bedside scene where Obi-Wan is recovering and a conversation with Tala that, you know, draws out some of what Obi-Wan is thinking or feeling. I mean, we are mostly left to project onto Obi-Wan or to read the horror in you and McGregor's face, which is, you know, compelling. Um, And maybe the answer is that he is not processing what he has just learned. Yeah. But it would seem to me more effective storytelling to just sit Obi-Wan down for a second and get a check on on how he's feeling about all this. Yeah. Because the back of the tank is some is a place where it's this it's a healing physical and mental process. You're there with your thoughts. It's very therapeutic. And we we we've we've seen in some of the other content the yeah. the flashbacks that and the moments that people have while in there and and we we end up getting like little clips and cuts back and forth between Obi-Wan in his back the tank standing straight up look at the old school one like Luke was in and and then we've got Vader Anakin in his and both of them seem to be tormented by their past thoughts mm-hmm. and thoughts of one another for Obi-Wan, it's almost like it's taking this physical toll on him. Like he is so overcome. He's not even he's not at peace with his thoughts at all. And he immediately tries to once he sort of comes to, he tries to get out of the back of the tank right away. And that's where she's got to sort of stop him and say, look, you're not even fully healed here yet. But he he's actually immediately fixated on on Leia and asking, you know, where's Leia? What's going on? So not completely healed, but I guess he's a. Uh, He's got some some wounds that have been fixed up at least for uh, for now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is the story they're telling us, and you know, I on what you know, there the risk. I think so. I've thought about well, why didn't they spend time with the healing and the processing? And you risk dropping the um, kind of tension and moment momentum because it can't also it also cannot seem that. Obi-Wan's just lingering while Leia's life is in danger. Mm-hmm. So I recognize there is a, a you know, a pacing issue that a time clock going. Yeah. A time clock that can days couldn't really pass at Jabim and then the Riva Leia plot line be plausible mm-hmm. because she's unlikely to be interrogated for days. Although I guess that would be an effective tactic. Um, so I, I kind of I can get a logical reason why they condense kind of compress the timeline here, but it it rings hollow emotionally, right? Because we're telling we're we're seeing his scars, we're being told it's going to take time to heal, and then within five minutes he's at the round table looking at a hologram of the metaphor the the proverbial round table looking at a hologram of Fortress Inquisitorius doing the whole like Danny Ocean tip thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. And and that's <laughs> where we flash the Fortress of the Inquisitors and we see Leia and Riva. Leia says, you can't keep me here. My father's Bail Organa. He's a senator. I'm a princess of Alderaan. So a lot of 
Easter eggs and references to former lines that Leia has said or things that she said, even wardrobe and costumes, lots of things that she looked like she was wearing. And um, we have Reva, who tells the princess that she has no rights and that the Empire doesn't take kindly to Jedi sympathizers. Leia then steps up and says, he will come for me. And Reva tells her that uh, Obi-Wan is dead. Leia's not really sure what to think. She looks a little bit sad, and she looks a little bit unsure. And Reva tells her, nobody's coming for you. So we got to see pretty pretty heel Reva in this in this episode and, and what she's going to do in, uh, in the scenes to come. Uh, we didn't actually ever see her do it, but she was very threatening, very evil, manipulative, playing some games here with young Leia. Yeah, and I have to, you know, shout out to Vivian Lyra Blair, who's playing... Leia is just phenomenal and I think you know with four episodes I would say this is this is the strongest element of the show for me and almost the clearest character is Leia and the range that this I agree young actor is (laughs) uh demonstrates in this role I mean you can see her thought process you can see her fear you can see her cunning you, you can you see know. that she's a young Leia. It's like she's yeah. d- mannerisms, the the mm-hmm. tone of things, the way she delivers lines just mm-hmm. feels like it. It's really well done. She it's almost made me I I on you know after part 4, you know, if you're going to leave Vader off the table, if you're not going to explore the kind of inner thoughts and and fears of Obi-Wan, maybe have a Leia show. I mean, I know. Uh, yeah. Le- a Leia show would kind of lend itself more to Adventure of the Week and to sure. her, her training. I mean, you know, there's a huge hook, uh, you know, having a show called Obi-Wan Kenobi with with the character that's beloved, who also has a lightsaber, by the way. Like, obviously, there's a reason, you know, maybe this is a backdoor pilot for a Leia show. Um, and I'm on the record of not wanting shows that just mind the... Uh, original trilogy but uh she's really stepped up her game and i think this was probably uh, her strongest episode i mean in terms of the range that we see uh and the psychological terror that that leia goes through the alarms were sounding a little early they weren't there later in the it's episode a, was, you're there. you are actually podcasting from fortress Fort, yeah Oregon, i was gonna say right? it just was a tad early for uh, i gotta work on the sound cues a little bit better here i'll get i'll get them <laughs> Better, Matt, but we uh we then get back to Jabim and Tala walks out with Obi-Wan and we're introduced to Roken. And this is O'Shea Jackson Jr. This is actually Ice Cube's son, who I I knew was in the show, but we thought he may have been playing Quinlan, or we didn't really know who he's playing Roken, who is another one of these uh sympathizers, someone who helps the Jedi get free, who helps people along the path. We actually hear his story, which is really sad. We hear it pretty quickly. His wife was actually taken and killed because she was force sensitive. Mm-hmm. And he's a little reluctant initially when Obi-Wan comes in because everybody's looking for this guy. They're they're trying to run this underground operation, not draw a lot of attention so they can save people's lives. And if everybody is looking for Obi-Wan, then it's more likely that they're going to draw more attention to him and to everyone there so he's not initially warm to helping obi-wan and leia it's funny because he calls him general so he knows yeah, who he that is that was really interesting yeah um 
you know, he even says, General, I'm sorry, it's not my problem. As Obi-Wan says, someone very important to me has been taken. I need your help to get her back. And it, when he says it's not my problem, Obi-Wan tells him, well, it kind of is because she knows everything, you know, yeah. who, uh, where we are, what we're doing. And if, you know, if Reva finds us, Leia's with her, they know, like, it's not only going to be Leia, they're going to find us and everyone here. Um, Broken sort of, you know, he he's running this operation. People are coming in and out. This is a, a a large thing. There are multiple safe houses all over. And so he's not excited at the prospect of just shutting all of this down to help Obi-Wan. But I think the just the personal um you know, the the personal moment here where Obi-Wan says, you know, please, I don't you have no idea what the Empire is capable of. And that that obviously strikes the uh, the chord for him because he tells us about his wife and before she got married, we tried to hide it. The Inquisitors found her anyway. And um, yeah, so uh, we, we find out a little bit about Roken here, and he agrees to help them. And uh, and then before, uh, right after this, we, we get that uh, that Ocean's Eleven moment you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, that probably gives the scene a little too much credit. I mean, <laughs> yeah, uh, the plan is so, you know. It's, it's we'll not. We'll in, essentially. I mean, there's yeah. a little more nuance to it, but. Obi-Wan's just a little being a little stubborn You know he he doesn't want To to leave Leia Alone there any longer Yeah and, I mean that that is kind of the I, I think to Argue against myself like It does there is an urgency To rescuing Leia I think the show does, Makes could, that clear They could have just done a lit like they didn't need to do A lot right they could have just a little bit better Of a plan that's yeah. all you know just Come together with a little bit better of a plan Than just we're gonna have Obi Wan swim up and under, you know, and just yeah. and then and, and go from there. So we are introduced to a couple more people here, just briefly. I mean, introduced is is you, you're frankly you're about to introduce them to me. I that's it. Sully yeah. and Wade. That's it. Sully. We, okay. Sully is the the girl. Wade is one who just says so. That's it. Fortress Inquisitorious. That's Wade's big line here. That's his line. And. Uh, and uh, they, uh, I put in quotes, which is funny because you said it similar. I put the group plots out a plan that feels yeah. like the title for an It's Always Sunny episode. About, you know what I mean? Like, the, yeah. the, the group with some hijinks. They, so we see a little look at Nur, which is a water moon. It's in the Mustafar system, which is Vader's system. Obi Wan asks if Vader's there. They don't think so, but their intel shows that he's close. He's still on his ship. Now, apparently Fortress Inquisitorious is impenetrable, but they think they may be able to get from uh, up from underneath. Obi-Wan asks how far down it goes. <laughs> it, is, it turns out it is penetrable. <laughs> yeah, it turns out it is. So they uh, apparently no, there aren't any shields there because nobody would be stupid enough to attack them. We found one group that is, and it's uh, the group led by our Jedi, Obi-Wan. Tala. Um, so he wants to take some of the speeders in. They think that's a bad idea. They're not soldiers. And he keeps just harping back at the point that Leia is 10. He can't leave her there on his own. And so he's going to go in. Finally, Tala says, you know, I got a cover. We don't really know if her cover works because she just may have used it to save Obi-Wan and Leia before. But anyone that was around that saw what happened was... Taken out, right? She took out the stormtroopers. Um, 
I mean, it's it's well established now that the security systems of the Empire are. I mean, even after the original trilogy and the Mandalorian, right? They've got some questionable um, security systems in place. Yeah, I mean, it, it. It. I think it makes. I roll my eyes a little. It, bit it works. It works though. Yeah, yeah it, it's 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 okay. If it's, if I had liked this episode more, I would probably be way easier on the plan. It's more of when you you're disappointed in something, then you start to pick apart little. Mm-hmm. You start you to find more. I mm-hmm. mean, it makes within it's the fine. reality of the show. I think the plan makes sense. It's it's not much different than what we would have seen in other the, you know in in other instances that we may have just liked a little bit better how they were, right. and and you sort of yada 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 through it, like we've said, you know. Um, you know, Tala agrees, and again, we see that she—I mean, she is willing to do whatever it takes for them, and she risks her life multiple times. As Obi Wan sort of struggles to even use the Force, and she can, she can sense this is like kind of a little tiny version of the moment that we wanted more of, where. She tells him a your Cliff body, notes version right? Of like the this moment we want, and, and we, and that's a problem. Is that these are moments that need to breathe a little bit more because that's what is so great about Star Wars. It's not just the glitz and the glamour and the cool, flashy stuff. It's the characters, the mm. interactions with the characters. That's what is great about any show, right? Yeah. We we can see cool stuff all the time now with CGI and great graphics, but it doesn't matter if we're talking about a show set in. This or orange is the new black, right? If it's set in a completely different place, it's about the characters that you relate to, or you like, or you don't like, and and that's I, we like some of the main characters, but we didn't get enough to. I, I want to like Tala more. I think she right. could, you know. I, yeah, I don't know if she has. We've been told things about her character, but mostly her scenes have been you know, moving the plot from point A to point B. Like mm-hmm. we haven't really spent time with Tala, right? No. She's, I mean, all our, t- I guess the nature of the show and the plot, like everyone's under duress. Like there, there isn't time, right? There isn't going to be a picnic meadow scene, of course, or something like that. But, um, but I don't have a sense. I, I admire the idea of Tala. I think it's interesting, but even uh, Haja in, in part two, there was a, a more rounded sense of this person's yes livelihood and identity, um, and like Tala, you know, Tala is a, a double agent, but and she must be, she must carry out questionable action. I mean, she can't be all good and no. perform her role as an officer in order to keep the cover, yeah. right? Yeah, um, she has to have done some shady stuff in order for people to have, you know, yeah. been been not thrown off by her walking around there. She's been in and out of these places before. And um she uh she lets Obi-Wan know, well, you're gonna have to try. And <laughs> we're almost there. As he he gets ready. Yeah. And we flash back to you you used the word interrogating earlier, and that's what this was with Leia and with Reba. This was an interrogation. It felt like what you would see in a, you know, in a Police interrogation room, you know, at the at at the local police yeah. station, where you've got them either different people playing the good cop, bad cop, or Reva. She was doing it herself, right? She was even moments where initially she she's sort of trying to 
trying to warm up a little bit to Leia. Oh we, yeah. We intercepted a transmission last year. Talk of a secret network. We thought it was a lie, but the safe house, the one you were in, has been found in two different systems. And she puts down some of the carvings from the wall. So she knows some of the, the Jedi that have been through there. Mm-hmm. She says, I need to find where they are, Leia. And I think you know. Leia then asks, because Reva's being a little less scary here. She asks, uh, how did he die? Mm-hmm. He burned to death on Mapuzo. The people I'm looking for left him there to die. So now she's spinning it on them. Which I think we all, almost, not every line, but many lines here, the people there left him there to die. We can probably guess that she is describing something that also reflects her own experience. So mm-hmm. she was left to die by the Jedi, right? I mean, yep, yep. Th- this be- sh- it's a little more on the nose as these interrogation scenes progress. Um, we, you know, the- these scenes do a couple different things. We're learning a lot about Reva in the way that she is trying to manipulate because uh, that's i'm glad i that was one of my notes towards the end in that i said the first time through i was saying gosh i wish i wanted to i wanted to find out more about reva and then the second time through i found myself writing down a lot more things about the way reva was taught you know her her approach yeah. to things which i'm glad you hit it it says and it says a lot about it's a little tidbits here and there maybe not a ton but we're getting things from her Right, we are definitely getting Easter eggs there from her. We're maybe we're not getting the the full Reva, you know, here's what happened episode, but mm. we're gonna get those moments where she's gonna let us know why she hates Obi Wan so much or the Jedi. What exactly happened? Did was someone supposed to save her? Did she, you know, th- there's some reason that she holds all this animosity. I think more than just wanting to move up the ranks in the Inquisitors. Right? There's yeah. there's, there's a personal thing there. You got, I mean, they're doling out information about Reva. Again, the only new main character of the show or the only main character whose destiny we're, we don't know, we haven't seen on film. Um, they're doling out information so slowly and seemingly so deliberately that if the only motivation is a job promotion, that would be confounding. Like, I, I would know. be, um, I it can't be that, no, right? No, I mean, no, no. I mean, no. it may not be more sophisticated than her sense of abandonment and hatred at the Jedi. And she was one of the young Jedi that got left there, right? right. They were supposed to come save um, her. And, and if that's it, that's fine. But it's got to be like at least that and something at least more. That, right. right? <laughs> I, I do think, though, the show hasn't tipped its hat in this direction yet. But how she knows, right? How does she know Darth Vader is Anakin Skywalker? Yes. Yes, like she needed to know that to deliver right the impactful revelation at the end of part two. That's why the plot needed her to know that. But the story needs to explain how she knows this. Does Vader know that she knows this? I suppose they don't need to answer that second question. But I think we need to. I, I mean, does she encounter Anakin in the Jedi Temple? Will we get a flashback? Um you know, did she put two and two together? Did Darth Vader tell her some sort of insight into that? To not address that would be a, a really odd choice 
on the part of the storytellers because it would almost suggest that they didn't know how intelligent their audience was because we yeah. know where we we're keeping track of who knows what. Yes. And most Star Wars fans know that, I mean, the fact that Anakin or Vader is, is actually Anakin Skywalker is like the central revelation of the original trilogy. So it can't just be common knowledge. It's not common knowledge. And so what is Reva's history that drew her to that insight, to that revelation, to that privileged knowledge? Um, that's a bigger question to me than why does she, I mean, I think I know why she hates the Jedi. Um, I think I know. I hope I'm surprised. I, I want to be surprised by this show. I don't want to think, I, I haven't figured it all out, but um, that's a big question. Reva continues to manipulate young Leia. If you tell me where the path is, you can go home to your family and this can all be over. And Leia refuses. She, nope, I don't know anything about a path. So Reva continues to pry. We then see Tala walking into the Fortress Inquisitorious full uniform. And she gets stopped by a guard who asks for her identification. She tells him her class. They go to, to check her ID. And there's a moment where she's a little bit nervous. They scan it. And he says, this isn't your sector. I can't let you through. But I think that moment is a moment that gives her a little bit more confidence because they don't tell her, hey, what are you doing here? You know, there's not like a big commotion. It's just sort of like you're out of place. And she I think she feels really confident in, in kind of sniping back right away. You know, I'm higher rank than you. Don't don't come at me like that. Yeah. And and that was something that I liked. I kind of just read into, but it was a little a little small detail that seemed um, that seemed to make sense to me. And she made a very. uh uh, a couple really cool Darth Vadery type comments. You know, she said, first, uh, should I inform the Grand Inquisitor of your insolence? Which is interesting because who knows about him and the fact that he's not around right now? Yeah. Or right. that we haven't really seen him recently. It's been Reva, fifth brother, fourth sister. You know, we haven't seen the, the number one man for a while. Right. And, and yeah, then she totally, says, man, I right? totally, you're right. She does mention the Grand Inquisitor. I, I think you're, you know, this is actually, this scene and her later scene with Riva do give us some insight into who Tala is. Like, no, it's not a bedside spilling your guts scene, but we see someone who's incredibly, I mean, both fearful and confident at the same mm -hmm. time. And yep. um, she's a huge risk taker. And also, you know, Kind of that fake it till you make it. Like it's 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 easy to imagine how she could have really rose the ranks and been a successful officer. Um and, and why she's so good at her job, I guess, is is kind of evident in these scenes. I, mm -hmm. I think I hadn't thought about this scene when I was saying Tala hasn't given hasn't been given much love by the script. I was overlooking this scene. So you bring a really good point in in drawing it out. I, I think it is a it was really one of the more Genuine feelings of suspense I've had in this show also mm -hmm. I agree because uh, we don't know her we don't know her fate No and then she says I'm your commanding officer you will address me as sir And uh why am I wasting my breath on you And then she she walks in uh, lo loved that So she's then really she's really internalized the the workplace culture I was gonna know? say she has <laughs> 
she uh, she understands uh, she's picked up the verb you know once you start talking with one of your friends a lot you start talking like they're talking right you start saying the things that they're saying sometimes you pick up their verbiage this is what's happening happening right here and uh, she's sort of loosey goosey on the radio you know as she's talking with with the Obi Wan shouldn't seem too worried about hiding <laughs> hiding that she's yeah like, I mean they had to use you know they're using the same kind of walkie talkies for lack of a better word, that they mm-hmm. use in A New Hope, right? Yeah. Um, but it is very much like, you know, she's like on her walkie-talkie, like, look at the size of this base. That's not the, her line, right? But she's like, well, what are they hiding here? And it's, you know, her co-worker's like one cubicle over. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it's it's interesting how they're kind of, you know, boxed in by some of the tech from the original trilogy. So Obi-Wan is, uh, he's swimming. He's coming from uh, up underneath the water, and he's using that um, the same. I think they're called the rebreathers, the uh, the technology that him and Qui Gon used in the Phantom Menace mm-hmm. when they went down uh, underwater. So he's able to stay underwater, and Obi Wan makes his way in. He takes out a stormtrooper, and he starts looking for Leia. And, and we we cut back to Leia. This this actually made me laugh out loud for a moment. And when Reva's looking at Leia. And we get the sense that for any particular amount of time, she's been trying to use the force to read Leia's mind, to get some memories, to find out any yeah. in- important information like we saw her do with, with Haja and we've seen her do t- with others. And mm-hmm. Le- she can't get into Leia's mind. Leia is, is strong with the force herself. And she says, is this a staring contest? <laughs> and it just – it was great. I just – Made me laugh as, uh, you know, Reva says, you're strong, but the braver you seem, the more afraid you are. I learned that at a very young age as well. And yeah. Leia tries to do anything she can. She gets uh, Lola to try to help, but Reva catches Lola, who uh, she again has like a little moment where she says, I had a droid when I was younger, too. It was taken from me like everything else. Yeah. So we're getting little, little tidbits where you you were. You were actually talking about this in our lost conversation last week that you thought the interactions with Leia might we might start to get the most we've 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 seen or heard about Reva and who she is with some of her back and forth with Leia. And I feel like we kind of did in, in some of these. Yeah, these with the two of we, them, we did, but not so the I thought we were going to learn more about Reva because Leia was going to draw it out because we've seen mm-hmm. how Leia is an excellent how she reads Obi-Wan, how she reads her cousin or whoever that was in, in part one. Um, but really, I mean, I, I think it makes sense in the, in, in the episode, it's Reva volunteering the information as an interrogation tactic yep. to build affinity. Right. Mm-hmm. And then when, yep. when that doesn't work, it's to the torture chambers, but you're hungry, um, you know, yeah. you need something to eat over there, you know, like a little bit of that, even like you get from, from, the interrogators, you know, she was yeah. she tried to warm up to her a few times and just give her some information to maybe hope in hopes that Leia would also share more. But Leia's too smart. This yeah. girl is too sharp. Yeah. Um, it's interesting, you know, the Leia resisting the force mind probe. I'm surprised, you know, I I'm surprised it's not, it has not yet raised a question with Reva about Who's, her force sensitivity. Because she's hunting kids right they hunting kids i mean well the the inquisitors in general are hunting kids i think reva seems to have a soft spot for kids we brought this up 
mm-hmm. last week that when Vader kills the young boy in in Mapuzo, she kind of winces when he cracks his neck. And so she may not be as ruthless toward children as other inquisitors. But nonetheless, like, you know, this girl is traveling with the Jedi. Um, she cannot fall for this. You know, I mean, it works on Rey by Kylo Ren. Granted, Kylo Ren's probably more powerful than Reva, but but Rey is possibly more powerful than Leia. I mean, let's not get into this, you know, kind of gamer who's who's pow- more powerful than than others. But the point is, it seems that in the, the concerns of the show are raising all these questions about Force-sensitive kids. We know this is a Force-sensitive kid. Someone would need to recognize that, This right? has got to draw a red flag from someone, right? Exactly. Right. Like, someone goes, huh? Isn't this the type of kid we're looking for? <laughs> so, it, it, it was... Again, great stuff from young Leia with the uh, the staring contest line and everything. As Tala is now looking through like the security cameras and she's helping Obi-Wan with the layout, trying to help him get through where they um to the secure sector. That's where she said the tension areas in the secure sector keep heading north. Obi-Wan has to try to sneak around. There's a seeker droid that's kind of cool. Um mm-hmm. it is like a patrolling and it's got a big red eye sort of looks like um a uh they said they're modeled after you know they're modeled after different you know robotics but it's really cool i think we saw one of these it, a couple of these i don't know if we saw the one in part 3 that came up and was like reading him that might have been a little bit different but that this looks like a classic probe droid yeah just like a probe droid and this yeah. one was a little unique with that big red eye which is a uh, is very scary and uh, and awesome looking, but Tala wonders what they're keeping down in that detention area because it seems pretty pretty secure. Mm-hmm. And she again gets approached by an officer who asks to see some identification because she's out of she's out of her place, right? So this this yeah. actually seems like legitimate, right? She's not right. someone who can't be there, but she's not in her. Where she is, what are you doing on that computer? That's not your desk. What are you doing over there? You know, this yeah. is like normal office stuff here. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it's it's a pretty simple strategy to get in, but it does make sense, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I she can bluff her way only so far. Like, eventually mm-hmm. it would raise all these red flags, and um, it, it, make, it makes sense. I, I think... I'm not sure how I feel about her eventual confrontation with Reva. We'll talk about it. But um, if this is a fortress that is rarely, if ever, really probably never stormed, right? You you can catch folks off guard, but eventually, um, you know, the alarms will start sounding. So what ends up happening in the next little bit is like Obi Wan and Tala keep almost getting each other in big trouble because they keep radioing each other at the wrong moments when yeah. when Tala has. A few people around Obi-Wan asks for help. She can't really connect, but we do see Tala uh, kicking some ass. And then um, she takes out the the guard, and she gets back on the radio. And when she tries to connect with Obi-Wan, a couple of the stormtroopers hear it, and they start making their way over to him. But he's actually able to use the Force in a fun throwback to get them to look the other way and head the other direction. So he's starting to become... This is the episode, this is the part where we see him starting to become and actually able to really get 
a lot of his his power back, his use of the force. Right. Because in, in so part two, he deliberately avoids using the force, except in one moment to save Leia from death. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's fighting with the blaster. Um, you know, part three, we see him draw out his lightsaber finally with Vader, but it essentially is not tapping into the force. And, and he's finally starting to flex those muscles in this episode. And in a, in a, Larger sense, that's almost what this episode is about in the arc of the show, right? It, it, my guess is it's about how how Obi Wan got his Force groove back. Um, yeah, you're right. That's a great. You know, it, and so now, you know, I think now by part five, we can expect a, a fully armed and operational Obi Wan. Um, in what con? I mean, is he still going to be on the run? Are they going to kind of regroup and and launch their own offensive? I mean, we'll see. But I, I think, for all intents and purposes, we're not going to see the the frightened, uh, timid, uh, fragile Obi Wan that that was front and center in part three. Okay, so uh, Obi Wan now mastering the Force again, and um, him and Tala are. In connection, Tala's trying to direct him to find Leia. And we get back to Reva and Leia. And again, she, you know, tries to share some information. I know what it's like being alone. Kenobi is gone. The people you're trying to protect, they're not coming for you. The only person that can save you now, Leia, is you. Tell me where they are, where they are. We're on the same side here. These people, they're gonna leave you too to die. She says, Okay, I agree. I'll I'll tell you where they are. I don't want anyone to get hurt. And Reva says, I give you my word. Leia says, okay, I just have to tell my father first. That's okay, right? You said we're all on the same side. And, and Reva just says, nice try, princess. Uh, I hope you like pain. Leia is sharp. She, she just tries to manipulate her right back, you know? The line, the thing that I keep keeps popping in my head, and this this reference makes no sense if you really think about it, but the Joker in The Dark Knight where he's like, I want my phone call. Yeah. <laughs> I want my phone call. I want to call my dad. Uh, Very different circumstances than the Joker in the Dark Knight. But uh, it's a good, you know, Leia has a good point, right? Like, if we are all on the same side, then certainly I can call my, you know, imperial senator father. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, Reva snaps and knows she's not playing. She's not going to play the game. So she'll have to switch up her strategy. So she picks up Leia and she says it's time to make those tears real. And she takes her. (laughs) To get tortured And we're gonna head to this Torture rack type chamber We've seen similar things like this In the Empire Strikes Back With Han We've seen in Rebels even Right I think where we've had some sort of like Devices like this which Yeah There's a fortress where I actually yeah I remember there's a Rebels episode Where they're saving Luminara Unduli is a Jedi who is briefly featured in the movies from like this fortress where they held Jedi prisoner. And here is a fortress where they, you know, hold their corpses. But scary stuff as uh, we, yeah, we see Leia get strapped in. Yeah. And Reva buckles her and, and puts her in where she's raised up and her arms are sort of stretched out. And it's like really scary looking. We keep cutting back and forth between Leia in this room and as Reva getting closer and clo- gets closer and closer to actually torturing her. And we see Ben 
making his way around Obi-Wan trying to find uh, uh trying to find Leia. Yeah. And it's and, intercut this the Leia torture scene is intercut with Obi-Wan discovering that the fortress is actually a tomb. Yep. So Yep. He finds um, the bodies. Right. He finds the bodies of slain uh Jedi force users um and ultimately a youngling. Um yeah. which is the final corpse. And one of the one that, um, of the main there's a lot of people in here that we may not know or we may be introduced to at different points or they haven't told us who they are, but there is one that looked to be Tara Sanube who is that the uh, Clone Wars? Yeah, the one who I helped, helped uh, um, Ahsoka find the lightsabers, sort of the older wise, right. um, speaks a lot in, in, you know, in, in riddles. And so that was one that was, that was sad. But they're all, it's not like carbonite, but what they're, they're preserved in. It, you, you wonder, I, I had a lot of questions about this too, because one, are they, are they alive? Are they able to be, you know, are they, Able to be saved mm. Are the are they Trophies are they being used For study for some point or are they Just there as So I had some questions about this In particular That's a good I mean My sense is it's more You know trophies But I think They're obviously their bodies are in a state Of preservation that you know It's a thin line between that And suspended animation Mm-hmm. Well, you know what it looks exactly like because I've been rewatching them. I, I haven't gotten to see the new one yet, but I was rewatching the last couple of days all the old Jurassic parks. It looks like the way they've got the fossil of the mosquito uh, in the Jurassic yeah. Park, unlike the yeah, first even one. The, the kind you know, of the even color. the coloring. Yeah, yeah. Because um, it's not in. Um, I mean, the other the other things it would probably remind a Star Wars audience of are first and foremost in Mando season two. Right there's. Um, I'm remembering the scene where there where Mando stumbles across the true uh, function of that Imperial installation mm-hmm. on Navarro. And we're clearly they're kind of harvesting mm-hmm. or running genetic studies um, to kind of harness the power of force users. I mean, this could be a really early phase of the kind of cloning dark science plan that we see play out partly in Mando and ultimately comes to fruition in Rise of Skywalker. That mm-hmm. was the first thing I thought. Me too. Um, I don't know if this is, I don't think that's a major focus of the show, but no. I, I don't know if we'll come back to this. I mean, what, what clearly the show is concerned about is this idea of, of the path and these, you know, th- this broader network of bad guys who are hunting Jedi and, good guys who are trying to save them and obi-wan who's just shut himself off from everyone is is seeing there's a much bigger world out there that he is you know he he hasn't fallen victim to the inquisitors but he certainly hasn't helped anyone right who's now in these you know in this amber frozen in amber so it's yeah i mean we see like you said preserved kind of fossilized and there are maybe 50 of them there are just tons down there uh, oh uh, i didn't get a good i, I didn't try to count um, i think one yeah. of the one of the shows that i was of course i'll i'll you know watch and kind of read some others and see some other uh, thoughts i think one of them counted and thought that they were close to like do the math like 48 so it, lo- it looked like they may have been uh yeah. they may have been a, a, a good amount and obi-wan sort of looking around and the one that was the the saddest was the the little boy 
Yeah. The youngling with the hat on, you know, the five, like five years old and just oh, really, really sad. And as he's looking through all of this, he can actually hear. I'm not sure if he could hear it or just sense Leia right. screams, right? Maybe yeah, both. I wasn't I sure either, but, but Leia screams are looped over the shot of the youngling. So mm-hmm. it's another way the show is just hitting us home with this really strong focus on children. Yes, and childhood. Uh, we've been talking yeah. about this since part two because Haja's entire, you know, Haja's part of the this broader network and we see him saving a Force-sensitive child, um, which makes me think that Leia's, if not her parentage, her Force-sensitivity will come into play. Um, we could talk more about that at the end about predictions, but... The screams continue and obi-wan tells tala i need a distraction and tala it's not like this was part of the plan she just goes again and like sacrifices herself basically you know yeah this this was tough i i mean this this was one of the ones where it's like so she called a meeting i mean this is one where where the plot mechanics get overtake i know because Leia is about the there are needles coming at Leia about to hit her about to like really torture her and right as they're about to hit somebody walks in and tells Reva um something it's very important um it, it, I was told it cannot wait so we hear the machine shut down and <laughs> and Reva walks outside and it's Tala says I understand you're looking for the the network they call the path you're leading the hunt I was stationed on Mapuzo and Reva's kind of upset initially, saying, "So qualifications for discharge? You let them get away? They obviously had help. There's no way an old man and a little girl were able to escape all of us without some help." Mm-hmm. And Tala continues, "I know where they are. They're on Florum, and they uh, run a they the network runs out of there. They use a, a salvage business to launder goods, render new identities, and fly the Jedi out. I found evidence before the escape." We need to direct all resources there immediately and take the network out at its root. So she's trying to throw them off scent, get people to go to a completely different place. In reading a little bit about this place, I, I read that it's like a a pretty brutal place with a lot of like bad stuff. So if if a lot if they went there, they would probably lose a lot of troops just just oh, showing up there. Florum? Uh, yeah, right. I think Flor- Florum is hot or Hondo Onaka. Um, there, there we go. Right, in the Clone it's, Wars. I think okay. it's a first. There's an episode. I felt where like we Anakin, knew. I knew it, but I couldn't put my yeah. finger on it. And I was trying to read on it, and there was it was a pretty bad place, right? Yeah. No, they run into a lot of. There's like a lot of natural dangers. I can't remember. They face some monster that lives in these mm-hmm. caves on Florum. Um, I watched it at some point during the lockdown. This episode, yeah, I knew Florum. it. Yeah, yeah, that's why we make a good team because I I knew I could ring a bell, but I just couldn't put two and two together there. With uh, Riva questioning and asks if if Tala's lying. The next scene I actually really liked. I thought was very cool. The the Obi Wan saving Leia scene coming out from oh, the darkness yeah, with yeah. the lightsabers. There there's yeah. the stormtroopers. There's two of them, which at least this makes sense. Riva leaves, so there are people still guarding Leia, right? She didn't leave Leia alone in the room, and Obi Wan just comes and runs in. He does have to come in the darkness. The lights turn off. Yeah, this and is your. She, this is the quote you brought up earlier, right? What yeah. is, what is the force, right? It's yeah. the light in the darkness. Exactly. It was the illumination right here. We see the blue lightsaber, and we see 
Obi-Wan take them out one at a time And and then just again the look on Leia's face She's just she she conveys exactly what you would expect a, a little girl who gets saved at this moment to mm-hmm. convey. She looks happy, relieved. They they share a quick embrace, and he says, "Come with me. I'm going to get you home." This was one of my favorite parts of the entire episode, if not my favorite part. I just thought it felt like very Star Wars. It was cool. It was simple, mm-hmm. but it's it's a lot of the things that I like about this episode about this series, which is a lot of the Obi Wan and Leia stuff. And this was yeah. kind of a little microcosm of it right here, all wrapped up. Yeah. No, I like you know I liked the when the show. When Star Wars can tell a story visually is always one of the things that draws me to it. And I think this was a an action scene that was was cool, right? It was it was fun to watch. It was nicely composed, but it also relates to right these the kind of ideas of of light and darkness, and it advances the relationship between Obi Wan and Leia. So it's it it. I hate to say checks a lot of boxes. I don't want to make it like it's <laughs> some sort of accounting that we're doing here, but it does work on multiple levels in that mm-hmm. way. Reva continues along talking with Tala. And she says, it makes sense. The path would have people among us eyes. What does not make sense is how an old man and a little girl escaped an Imperial checkpoint on your planet. Tala snaps back. I will not have my integrity questioned. You know, she's, Still willing to come back because that's what you'd have to do, right? She can't act like she's scared or that she's hiding something here. She's got to act like this is she, you know, what she's doing. She said, "Of course, I'm a spy. I spent two years undercover trying to find her, find out where they were hidden." Kenobi came, they panicked, and I got inside. I couldn't tell anyone. If they found out, I would have been killed. I promise you, he's on Florum. And as she's telling Riva. We see Obi Wan and Leia try to escape, but they actually get found by one of these uh, one of these droids, mm-hmm. and then the alarms sound. So that that triggers Riva a little bit, but she says, "I like a liar. I don't know if you're lying to me or for me, but we will see." Take her to inger- interrogation, and if the debriefing confirms it, and so sh- she heads off to see what's going on, why the alarms are sounded. She obviously thinks it's Obi Wan. And uh, so Reva's off to find Obi-Wan And Tala is being taken off by a couple of guards But she she's able to quickly get rid of she them She makes quick work of them Yeah. Yes um, and, Go ahead Yeah, I wanted to be a bit Like, again, I could be nitpicky about this Like, the, you know Torture scene is interrupted by a request for a meeting Like, Tala's <laughs> interrogation is interrupted by, you know The alarm The alarm I mean, mm-hmm. but it does I think the kind of back and forth between Riva and Tala kind of speaks to it's like a pretty interesting kind of chess match that they're mm-hmm. engaged in. Um and and Riva is really, you know, they've shown her to be a very intelligent character and that she, you know, she's like, I, I like a liar. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we'll see, we'll see who you're lying for. Um and so, you know, it's like she probably needs to keep a closer eye on her her suspects, right? This is the second suspect to elude her grasp, uh, but it makes sense. So I'm tr- I'll try not to be so pessimistic with all the nitpicks. The no, but I I, I know this was something that it, it happened multiple times in 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 a short period of time. So it's hard not to at least 
You know, it's it's really it. that third sister's taking on too much on her own. I mean, right? She's not, she literally has brothers and sisters. She needs to learn to delegate. I think mm-hmm. that's that's really the feedback I would give her from a managerial perspective. Like right. She has a lot of spirit. She's, she's really committed to her work, but she's afraid to delegate. Yeah, they've got uh, all this firepower here uh, on this base. They've got all these resources, and uh, and yet she wants to do it all on her own as Obi-Wan tries to radio Tala. Um, and once she pushes them away, she asks where they are, and this was when Obi-Wan and Leia are trying to escape. Now, remember, they're at this point down in like a lower corridor. They're down on the, the sort of the bottom part where Obi-Wan had come up through the water. Mm-hmm. And he's fighting off droids and stormtroopers. He's deflecting shots with the lightsaber. We're finally starting to get to see some of Obi-Wan here where he's he's really looking looking good. He looks like he's got a little bit of that rust knocked off. And at one point they are kind of cornered into this little this little narrow corridor where he deflects a shot and it punctures the glass. Mm-hmm. And the the glass starts to spider web, and it's about to let all the water in from outside. And Obi Wan has to dig down deep, use the force, hold the glass, buy some time to get Leia a little to safety, and and then he actually releases all of the the water and the pressure, sort of drowns out a group of. These stormtroopers. This was another sequence that I actually liked. I thought was pretty cool. This it felt sort of Star Wars, like some of cool old Star Wars with new sort of Star Wars with what they could do. And we're seeing Obi Wan now when he's had to in these moments to save Leia's life. That's when he's really been able to use the Force to the strongest. Yeah, I think oh, you know, Obi Wan also in these these series of kind of hallway fights and encounters. I think it's probably when he's deflecting the shot, one of the shots there, there's this really nicely framed shot where he kind of is standing in the middle of the hall with his lightsaber, Leia's off to the side. He kind of gives it a twirl. It was a very, you know, recalls, I can't pinpoint exactly where in either Phantom Menace or Revenge of the Sith, but it seems like very, it it kind of took me back to that old Obi-Wan. I mean, it's the same actor. Like there's just something obviously about the physicality that's there. Um, but this was probably my, one of my favorite parts of the episode, right? Yep. Is seeing Obi-Wan uh, in action here and coming, you know, coming back into his own for those, you know, really basic instinctual reasons of it's taking me back to my first encounter with Obi-Wan in the Phantom Menace. Not my, I had seen A New Hope, but our collective first encounter in the sense of the, the chronological story where it's a very similar kind of hot, uh, hallway assault, um, you know, where he ignites his lightsaber with, with yeah. Qui-Gon, you know, twirling the saber around. It, it, it brings you back to that young Obi-Wan. A lot of very Yoda here with this is the type of thing Yoda would do too, right? To stop the things from falling and to save things from prey. This is just a very um, sort of, this, I don't want to say fatherly, just like an older, wiser um, Obi Wan now, who he's just the things that he's been been through, even just in these episodes now. You know, knowing now about Vader and Anakin out there, and and just having to to go through this with with Leia. I think it's making him more of a well rounded 
overall and 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 his his use of the force i think is going to get perhaps even a, a little bit stronger as uh, we have a few episodes left so tala walks with obi-wan and leia who <laughs> are doubled up in a trench coat here um this was this was one of those where again another little plot device where they're walking out in the middle of all these stormtroopers and all these uh officers and agents and it's Tala and it's Obi Wan and he's just got a little girl walking right next to him. Yeah, I mean I, it was true. <laughs> uh, yeah, for all I mean, I I still have I probably still have a couple more nitpicks, but this is just one of the things where I'm like, whatever, you know. Yeah, it's it's camp, it's fun. Um, people, you know, again, workplace culture, you you know, folks, they're so engrossed in their work, they're not, they're not even noticing. I mean, it it's just comic, it's it's comical. It is. Um, yeah. So as uh, the Inquisitors look all around, they order that the base will be shut down. And it looks like Obi-Wan and Tala and Leia are almost going to make it out with anyone, anyone even really noticing. But Reva finds them, runs over to them, calls her a traitor, and calls Tala a traitor. And uh, we have a little bit of a standoff. This was never uh, – to be – was it worth it betraying everything you are? And as it looks like our heroes, the good guys, are in trouble, we do have Wade and Sonny to the rescue. Remember, there was a plan, and uh, the two that um, help on Jabim, they come in, and they are able to get the group of Tala, Obi-Wan, and Leia to safety because they shoot out you know, some of the stormtroopers, and Wade... Basically gets away But comes back in To distract Reva And to take Reva's focus away So that the the rest of them can escape This felt like a, a moment That could have been really cool If we just knew a little bit more about Wade Yeah I, I, I will say I thought the speeder swooping in And saving the day I was That was genuinely excited mm-hmm. uh, The I honestly didn't read Wade as a sacrifice. I think you said that earlier and you're, you I need to go back to this. I yeah. thought he was just in the line of fire. Yeah. Like just trying, like he, he came back. I think, I think it was like, he did come. I feel like he came back. So maybe I'll, I'll check mm-hmm. again. Or there was like, he maybe had been out already. He did what he was supposed to do, but, but was willing to try to go toe to toe with Riva. I, you know? I, yeah. I think I was the blocking was a bit confusing in this. Yeah, it was a little bit chaotic. Because, yeah, it's like how far is Riva from them? And then one of the things that really took me out of it in the show was: can a speeder that speeder hold three other people? Right. We, we see Luke and Dak in Empire Strikes Back in a speeder like this, and I thought it was a two-man ship. Um, so, I mean, obviously they need the whole team to the surviving members to not be on Wade's ship. Um, but you, you never see them. Do you see them get in? Now I'm I'm confusing myself. The the cutting here was a bit weird. I agree. No, it was. Yeah. And there was even some some stuff that I was seeing with other people with some of the CGI, like some of the blocking was a little bit weird. If you really looked at it, people are sort of walking into places that don't really make sense. You know, they're kind of just, there's, this was the one scene that I I was probably one of my least favorites, just sort of like the way it, it was another one where they had to get there. And I felt like I would have liked to see a little bit more with Wade before, because I would have felt better about 
his moment afterwards or the loss of Wade. But he actually says, uh, I got you, Sully, just go. And uh, Sully says, Wade, leave her, come on. And he says, I'm on my way. Mm. And then he gets taken out right, right after that. So yeah. the, this enables Leia and Obi-Wan and Tala to get away, which brings up this moment with Vader. Was this the fastest we've ever seen him move? Yeah. He and was flying around furious here. He, this was so episode three. I stand by what I said. I thought they I mean, I thought it was the Vader from Return of the Jedi or like the Vader from A New Hope. Like it felt very much like like a summoning of the Vader from the original trilogy and a, a melding with the Anakin, you know, uh, character and psychology. This scene felt off to me that because so I the second watch it wasn't as jarring but he's moving really fast um he's so I mean he overreacts so strongly but that almost raises the question like why wasn't he involved in the first place um he's so violent with Riva which I mean I'm not you know he's a violent person he chokes a lot of people in in the Empire Strikes Back but the way in which they depict his, you know, violence toward other people in, in Rogue One, in this in this show, is so forceful that I only can make sense about it, make rationalize it here because it concerns Obi-Wan. Yeah. And but then if he's so concerned with Obi-Wan, if Obi-Wan's all that matters, what who was cares he doing? about the network? Where was he this episode? Yeah, and, and why doing? would why would he even care so much about the network if it's just about Obi-Wan? Why did he even let Obi-Wan get away last week? Those are a few things that, that I was yeah. kind of hitting at, at the beginning because I was – when we talked a bit about this last week, I was sort of in the, yeah, maybe he's sort of playing with him. This was their first interaction. Now he's going to torment him. He's going to haunt his thoughts until they meet again, and, and that's when he's going to you know, have his way with him. But here it does feel like he was upset that they got – that they. They lost them. They lost them again. He says, you were warned what would what defeat would bring. I will tolerate your weakness no longer. He storms through the halls, up to Reva, raises her in force choke, has her lifted way off the ground, till she says, I let them go. I put a tracker on their ship. Soon the location of the network and Kenobi will be ours. So it makes sense from Reva, from our standpoint, with some of the nitpicks that we may have had about them getting away yeah i don't but, know i guess I, even in the rewatch it doesn't seem like she lets them get no, away i agree but, but she did you know she did have an you know a backup like a backup plan here yeah something. i mean i did you know on the second watch though now knowing what her plan was when did leia get her droid back i mean it's mm-hmm. a little right yeah it's we a didn't little see thing. It. when did she get it back i mean you know, we she was playing we saw Reva, you know, fingering around with the droid and um it was it was a the twist worked better for me the first time around because I was genuinely caught off guard because when she tells Vader I have a tracker, it's like, no, you don't. You're bullshit. Like this is a lie. You've just told someone what a great liar they are because you're a liar yourself and you know how to do it convincingly. But no, she's telling the truth. Um I mean, I can come up with the reason when Leia got Lola back. That's not hard to do. Um, And I guess withholding that information from the audience makes the twist a little more 
uh, exciting. But um, I saw a lot of conversation. Maybe this was on Twitter. I don't know. This was like some article, you know, some aggregator website about how, oh, Reva puts a tracker on the ship, and this is how Vader knows to let them get away easily in A New Hope. Like, he learned this from Reva, and I guess. I don't know. <laughs> it's just yeah. like, if this is where we're at in Star Wars, that we're explaining very kind of simple bad guy plots. Minute, minute stuff later, for, yeah, for... Uh, then, then, yeah, I don't know. Like, but... No one watches a new hope wondering like, where did Vader get that idea? I wonder who came up, why he yeah. came up with that. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a little thing. And, um, I mean, I mean, speaking a little more charitably about this whole scene, I mean, Reva is working solo, like in yep. a long, she's making, she's kind of off book. Um, it speaks to her intelligence that she's thinking out, gaming the situation and the possible paths forward in the sense that she interviews Tala and she's like, you're either lying for me, you're lying against me. Um, she probably thinks she knows Obi-Wan's on the ship and she's realistically assessing the odds and knows she might get away. Like, what's my backup plan? So while I can kind of nitpick everything that's going on here, it, in some ways it also rings true with the kind of character that Reva is. Um, it still raises the question for me about what Vader knows about what she's doing um, and the fact that who Leia is and why Leia is drawing Obi-Wan out. Um, those are questions that the show seems interested in avoiding right now. So, And, and yeah, it's hard for us not to ask them. Yeah. Like we, we, th we, we at least have to ask them. As uh, Vader lets her down, he says, I've underestimated, it seems I have underestimated you. So his tone completely changes from yeah. furious to okay. Yeah. And the fifth brother is a little bit upset, but Reva says, Kenobi is all that matters. Vader reminds her there can be no mistakes. You're certain the tracker is with him. And she says, yes, my lord, where he goes, it will follow. And we yeah. have our final scene here. Matt, where we head back to Jabim, and it's uh, the group mourning the loss of Wade as Roker, uh, Roken asks, where's Wade? And Tala mentions that uh, they're soldiers now after all. It's Leia and Obi-Wan embrace. They have a really sweet moment where they yeah. share a comforting look, and he, he holds her hand, and he, he lets her know that she's going to be okay. And we see Lola turn on, so Reva is now tracking them. Part four in the books as we head on to part five. So let's have a couple uh, kind of overall questions about where we sit right now. The, the pacing of the show, this is something that we've talked about. I thought the first couple episodes I liked it, but this this was the one that's hard for me not knowing where we're going to go because it just felt a little bit repetitive. Yeah, and it feels like you're kind of running the clock in a way, right? Yes, yes. Um, we know there'll be another confrontation between Vader and Obi-Wan and my, you know, one of my big worries is that there actually isn't much of a story they've developed between the two confrontations. Yeah. Um, I mean, going back from day one, I think I even expressed, you know, ages ago on a, one of our Mando podcasts that happened around the time that the Obi-Wan show was formally announced. <sighs> the story was complete to me, right? I mm -hmm. think 
You, Rogue you said one that. in episode yeah. three is very logically, I could go through the evidence connected to the Obi-Wan in episode four. Um, what is the story that this show is telling? Is it simply, I mean, there is a story here. Um, I just think I might be hoping for something that I'm not going to get from this show. And, uh, and and maybe then with some distance and a rewatch, I can appreciate the show for what it is, which at this point for me, most uh, most meaningfully is a show about Obi-Wan's relationship to Leia um, and how he understands himself through her and his will find renewed purpose in life in in this child uh not that could also be the plot summary of the mandalorian uh so we could spin our wheels about you know in what ways are is this a similar similar formula to, to mando but um yeah i i don't know what do you think this next episode will be i feel like we have to have a pretty good final two of like a, a good amount of the things that we've been kind of hoping a little bit more for. There's going to be at least the one big more with Obi-Wan and with with Vader. I would love we haven't seen we had the one flash of Anakin, which was the, like a vision. We haven't seen like any of Hayden Christensen at all. I don't expect yeah. to see him, but I I feel like we were we were gonna see a little bit more of Vader out of the suit or some of that. And I thought it would have been this episode part four. Right? Me too. Um so, so, you know, they're headed back to Jabim. They're probably, you know, how soon? I mean, I could imagine a part five that opens where they realize they're being tracked in the first scene. Yeah. And then uh, they decide to create a diversion or to split up. Um, you know, I doubt it's going to be that they're caught off guard. I, I guess it could be that they think they're relatively safe and suddenly the Empire comes back and then it's back to... Uh, you know, essentially, is it just going to be a, a replay of part three in a way where it's them evading the Empire and then Obi-Wan ending up face to face with Vader again? I, I hope it's not that. Um, in some of these shows and and I'm you hit it earlier, the Obi-Wan and Leia stuff, the Leia stuff. There are a lot of things in these shows that I'm entertained by. I like I'm glad that we have them to watch. Overall, I hope that the stories, when they're done, don't make me think different about some of the other stuff in like a negative way or like we said, in a way that makes us get inside of our head a little bit too much. Mm-hmm. But it does it does pose a question with the with Star Wars and with Marvel and the MCU. And, and when you sort of know the future of some characters and, and, and people is are the stakes a little bit lessened? Yeah, like when you know certain things. You kind of know the fate of Obi-Wan and Vader and Leia down the line. Is this at all lessened a little bit? I don't think so because there have been new enough characters like Reva, right? And there have to be characters like that. And it feels like a young Leia is a very different version than we've ever seen. But I can understand that that was something that I saw popping up in maybe recaps and stuff about, you know, even comparing to the with the multiverse now and with people Mm -hmm. maybe – Either knowing that they can come back or knowing that we we know what their their end fate is, does it seem a little bit less the stakes high? 
I don't know. I think that the the good moments of this series and these episodes are still really, really good. And I don't I don't think about that at all. Like that doesn't take me away from it going, oh, I know Obi-Wan isn't gonna die at this moment right now. Yeah. And I mean I think, you know, I've been pretty pessimistic <laughs> this podcast. It's a solid show. Like it's to me, it it's not as you know, Book of Boba Fett was disjointed, confounding. Yes. Uh the character just didn't I mean the characters still make sense to me for the most part I mean I'm not a little confused about why Vader isn't there but I can kind of rationalize why he might have gone back to uh to Mustafar etc etc um you know with with Book of Boba Fett we were seeing we were just completely I was largely confused about Boba Fett's motivation from like you know, episode to episode. Whereas here, I think the motivations are clear. The broad brushstrokes of the show are are clear again. But there's just something that it feels like the show might be holding back from a from fully embracing its premise for fear of you know contradicting or crossing some line. It, it, I'm surprised how you know, especially the first two episodes. The first, let me think for the first episode, we spend so much time with Obi-Wan and kind of his day-to-day routine and his despair that I'm almost surprised that we haven't really gone back to that place of solitude or mourning yeah. or I uh, agree. I thought it was going to be a more introspective show than it it right now. A lot of it is kind of on the surface. It's structured around relatively simplistic you know, rescue missions or escape mm-hmm. uh, plots, not unlike, you know, The Mandalorian, but- And there's the not a problem, like you said, it's not right. a problem, but it's just, they were sort of giving us something different, again, in the first, like, couple episodes, it felt like, or episode and a half, maybe, and then it sort of turned into a little bit different. And I wonder, if people were saying that this, you know, may have you may have felt different about this if this was a movie. Right. If if these six parts that we're seeing were sort of cut down into a movie and and maybe this part that we were talking about in part four was maybe one of the sort of lull parts where before it starts to build back up in crescendo again. But I don't know. I still think quality wise, I felt like the first one or two may just have been overall a little bit better quality. And there were a few things that got kind of mailed in. A little more in this episode than it had than I had felt it before. Yeah, or I think you said something like, "If this had been episode two, you know, we're mm-hmm. not batting an eye." It's just no. the fact that we're seeing the same structure repeat mm-hmm. week to week um, that makes it feel like there's the show's almost running away from its own premise. <laughs> it just, you know, uh, it it's great. You know, on one hand, we have this sh- this episode that has a number of callbacks, some more subtle, some more overt, to a new hope. On the other hand, is this is that it? Is that what Star Wars is now? That we just play the hits and re- is, is it just remixes? Right? I mean, that's so that's so boring to me. I know. That, like, isn't there something? Well, and that's else? why the Mandalorian sort of feels different, right? Because it is new. Like that's a new character. Grogu is a new character. And for the most part, even some of the characters that they, that are in that show are characters that we've seen in the cart, the animation, right. In clone wars or 
Rebels, but we didn't really ever see them all that much in live action. So they feel new when Ahsoka, you know, shows up or whenever we see someone new that we sort of know, Bo Katan, right? We we get excited because it's not as if we've it's gonna be the same thing over and over. So the the Reva parts I like. There are a lot of strong parts. It's just not quite where I thought we were going, and I hope in the next couple episodes they end it well. It's and it's not just it doesn't it doesn't seem repetitive because it'll it end up entertaining us, but mm-hmm. it'll just feel like they they could have done a lot more with it, in my opinion. Yeah, um, my kind of you know one of my parting thoughts here. We're, we're I I want to be a naysayer. I want to have these hard takes about how disappointed I am in the show, but I think deep down inside I'm feeling like. You know, help me part five of Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. Like, I really want this next. I I want to love this show. I always want to love Star Wars. That's kind of where I come, like, where I'm starting from. And the fact that this is feeling a bit too much like Book of Boba Fett deja vu for me is is a bummer. But I want to say that I won't be fooled by hoping again but i am hoping i am still hoping against hope that that there's something more here than the cat and mouse chase we hope that you will join us next week to get into part five of obi-wan kenobi two more parts remain and matt velasco will be here with us knock on wood unless a little one comes uh, a little early or something but we'll uh we'll uh, hopefully be talking with matt for the next couple of weeks and uh, finishing up Obi-Wan. Matt, thank you so much, buddy. Uh, we were able to get through part three, and I feel pretty good about how we, you know, got some part three thoughts out there and then and then uh, into uh, to part four also. So look forward to uh, chatting with you uh, again next week, and hopefully part five will get us all set up for a really nice finale. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that I, you know, I watch I watch part five and I'm texting you like all caps, like, oh my God, can't wait. We're ready to rock. That's what I want. That's how I want my Wednesday morning to start. Me too. I want, I want to get that message. I want to get that, uh, that text from you. And uh, we look forward to chatting with uh, all of you for all of you next week. I'll always love the interactions, people that, uh, that come back and, uh, and tell me things that, uh, that they listen, that they liked, that they appreciated, or maybe that, uh, that they weren't thinking about. So thank you so much, everyone, for always uh, tuning in. And we'll be back next week talking about part five of Obi-Wan Kenobi and uh, Matt Velasco here with us, always helping out talking Star Wars. My pleasure. We go from the world of Star Wars to the MCU, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Tim Kelly joins for a deep dive. Spoiler alert, we get into everything from the movie, pretty much scene by scene throughout Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Positives, things that we, you know, critiqued a little bit, and then what's coming up next in the MCU. Miss Marvel just debuted. There's been one episode of Miss Marvel so far. Tim Kelly's going to join me. We're going to discuss episodes one and two together, and then we'll start getting into those again weekly. So lots happening. Star Wars and in the MCU. Right now, we get into the Doctor Strange deep dive. It's time to get scary in the MCU. We're going to talk about Marvel's take on a horror movie. Some of the craziest Scariest, most out there stuff that you're going to see in any Marvel MCU movie we saw in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Like always, our main man, Tim Kelly, is here to join me. And this is going to be one of the more difficult 
ones just to do our our recap because there was so mm-hmm. much that was introduced and it was like mm. maybe the first 10 or 15 minutes were a little slow and and kind of setting things up and then i mean once we got going this was like 2 yeah. hours of non-stop action really heavy like quick pace lots yeah. of it's been a divisive movie i mean i enjoyed it I, it wasn't perfect mm-hmm. there were things to nitpick but i i you could feel this was different. They wanted to have a different approach, and you could feel the Raimi all over this yes, movie. Yes, absolutely. That was my favorite part of it, uh, that we got to see a Sam Raimi movie for the first time in, I think, almost 10 years, maybe more. Mm-hmm. Last last movie he put out was uh, Oz the Great and Powerful, which was uh, a solid movie. Um, and I think it's had a little bit of a resurgence on Netflix or, has, or one of the streamers right? recently. At the beginning, yeah. it was not well-received, but now it's been one that people sort of look back on. That's how a lot of his work... It mm-hmm. is, it, you know, and one of the things too, like one of the complaints I read or I'd heard for some places where they were kind of complaining about some of the things that were like Raby things. Those are Raby mm. like tropes that you yeah. can kind of expect from him. So if you thought some of the things with the camera work or maybe this or that, like sometimes seems like, well, maybe that was from an indie movie. That's that's his style. <laughs> that's kind of the thing yeah. that he does. I love that they allowed his style to come through. Um, uh, that sounds weird to say, honestly. Like they allowed the director. Uh, it maybe speaks a little bit negatively to the the machine of, of no, but the you're MCU. Right. But, Absolutely. But it it was it was refreshing. I mean, think about what happened with Ant Man. That was going to be an Edgar Wright movie, but you know they ended up losing that director at one point because Marvel had control. Kevin Feige had control over how they wanted it to be, and they didn't want to make an Edgar Wright movie. They wanted to make a Marvel movie. And somehow here we got a Sam Raimi movie that's also a Marvel movie. So I think we lucked out. Now, I didn't I didn't feel – and maybe it's because you and I are doing like week-to-week recaps and I'm doing Star mm-hmm. other Star Wars stuff. And I, I didn't feel this movie have like this an incredible hype train. And I heard mm-hmm. some – People talking about how the hype for this movie didn't live up. I don't know. I mm-hmm. guess, I guess, and maybe that was a positive for you and me who like, I don't watch a whole, I, I, do, I don't get into the spoilers before the movies. Mm-hmm. So I don't yeah. go in with all these heightened expectations of what I need to happen or else I'm going to be super disappointed. I think yeah. people were going into this movie with. All of these ideas in the multiverse of I'm going to see this person, this person, this person, this is going to happen. And then when those things didn't happen, people were disappointed. I don't think the movie itself was really disappointing. It may have been things that you were expecting that didn't happen in the movie because I was pretty entertained throughout most of it. Yeah, same. And it's a tight film. I mean, uh, especially for, you know, a big blockbuster action movie or a Marvel movie right now. Two hours, uh, pretty, pretty close to two hours. Uh, and it, it, it kind of flew by. Um, there's some moments that I felt uh, were a little sluggish with dialogue and maybe some ex- exposition uh, in there. It, it felt a little TV dialogue at times, which took me out of the whole Sam Raimi, you know, beauty of it all. Uh, but nitpicking a little bit there. Uh, I, it, it was it was a great um just it had a lot of momentum to it like i know you said it started out a little slow but i actually think that opening sequence uh, the dream sequence 
uh, comes out of the gate pretty, pretty hot. Actually, I like that too. I think it probably, it hits hard and then it's sort of like, you know, it kind of yeah. slows down with the wedding resets. and kind of build. Yeah. Resets. Yeah. Exactly. About 15, 20 minutes. And then we sort of get that like Spider-Man feel where he's, you know, at the wedding yeah. and then he's got to, he's got to transform into Dr. Strange with the cloak and go save the day. Right. And- I'm glad you mentioned Spider-Man though, too, because that kind of ties into what you said before of maybe there wasn't as much hype for this. And I think Spider-Man kind of took a little bit of that. We just saw Dr. Strange months ago. We just saw a a multiverse movie months ago. And that multiverse movie did give us all these like kitchen sink. Like, what if we did this? Like, like dream uh, casting, you know, like this was something that was like out of uh, fan fiction or something, but it, it was, it became real. And I think that's what a lot of the, the, people were thinking and uh, building up and expecting for multiverse of madness. Am I guilty of that to an extent? Yes, probably. Uh, Do I think also there was a little room for maybe they could have explored the multiverse a little bit more or, or done a little bit more with the concepts. I do think that they could have. uh, And that's one, one criticism I will make. I agree. And I think I, I wonder, and I keep bringing this up, you know, a lot of things, with the schedule, the release, and some of these movies had to be changed and altered a little bit around the pandemic, yeah. the release schedule, some of the things going on on Disney Plus. So I, I want to be mm-hmm. critical, but I also will give, like, on some tiny specifics, if things are a little nitpicky here, I will nitpick mm-hmm. them, but then I'll kind of give them a little bit of leeway for that afterwards, right? Yeah. I think it, I'll be critical, but I won't be so hard on them because mm-hmm. things did flop around a little bit like this was supposed to be released before wandavision and oh, wow and then they change things around so that's why yeah. everything from wandavision obviously has to you know this has to be after wandavision so you know you can feel a little yeah. little things here and there that might have wanted to be a little bit different or maybe they had the intention of doing things in in sort of a little bit different way but i i think w- the one point that we're hitting on is maybe this didn't Coming out of like Loki and then mm-hmm. coming out of, you know, what if, and then mm-hmm. coming out of Spider Man movies that yeah. opened up these new ideas of timelines and multiverses and variants and things like that. Did this movie answer a whole lot of questions? I don't, I don't know if it did. Like, I, I think, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know if we come out of this movie understanding a whole lot more about the multiverse, but it did. All right. Open things up Right so it did Scratch the surface on what could be coming Next at the same time while Entertaining me so Did it hit a grand slam no but I was Really pleased with a lot of this movie And I mean I think One of the major things we we almost Always hit on when we talk About these movies and shows is You know is the casting and the performances from The actors and damn I've I've, Like WandaVision was the show That made me really like Really look at what Elizabeth Olsen can do because her range, sure. she had to do so much more in the show. And then, like in this movie, she is so fantastic. The way yeah. you can like feel the emotion coming out of her, like you feel the grief and the sadness, but mm-hmm. she's also, I think, the, the ring, in reading one of the recaps, I thought in just the most simplest way. Like the ringer said, she's terrifying and tragic. So, oh, yeah. That sounds that's exactly right because she scares the hell out of you, but you're like, you feel for her. It's just, it's in the very typical sense of the best villains where 
they have a reason right. for their sadness and for their pain and for their suffering to where they're not just evil for no reason. Something created them. It's a Baron Z, it's a Zemo thing, right? They took his family yeah. from him. And so while Wanda's going to these crazy extremes, like deep down, you understand why she's so tormented. Yeah, and that torment is it's not really the thing that motivates, you know, her bad behavior. There's another element there that catalyzes all that, and that's the dark hold. That exactly. corru- it's a corrupting influence. So she has this, you know, pure intention of that she wants to connect with, you know, her lost family. Reality of which is that if she does do that, she would be replacing, you know, another a variant of her, and and uh, that would be not good, obviously, to that to that version of her. Um, but you know, she's still at the end of the day, not a bad person. She's somebody who's in essence, like possessed in this movie. Yeah, so no, exactly. it, it, it justifies a lot of the, uh, the, the poor behavior from her as a viewer. Um, it felt a little bit, you mentioned WandaVision, uh, was supposed to come after I'd say one downside again to this is it felt a little bit like we went all Backwards. the way back to the beginning. Absolutely. Yeah. Like we, we're, we're, we didn't get a scene we un- to see. Yeah why she changed from the end of WandaVision where she had accepted everything. Yeah, yeah. It, it's kind of like we rewound and WandaVision almost didn't matter yeah. in a weird way. Uh, like people were asking me after I saw the movie, did I need, do I need to see WandaVision? And I said, well, I think it'll help certain things with character and maybe understanding a little bit about the kids. But honestly, the journey she goes through in WandaVision is similar to what she goes through in this movie. It so it's it's – it's a little bit redundant on that this, level. So, and that's yeah. you're right. Like, and just reading, they they really leaned into the yeah, it was the dark hold that kind of you know took her over. Mm-hmm. Which, and that's the thing why everyone doesn't suffer the same way with grief. I mean, there are people that right. you know you have a a you know an awful incident and then you feel like you're better, and then a week or two or three, you're not right. That that can right. happen to anyone, but. It did feel a little disingenuous, I think, in just seeing that, like, the story they told us was that she was able to come full circle enough to know that she mm-hmm. needed to do the right thing in in Westview. And now, just a few weeks later, or, you know, she, like nothing really pushed her the other way. It's just I, – yeah. I, I, I agree. I mean, there could have been a little bit more there, maybe a scene or two or something to, like, to, to yeah. push us over the edge a, a little bit. And, um, to be fair, the dark hole does kind of justify, though. Like, yeah, you know, like that, we saying, that, like, that's enough to justify. That kind of resets. It. We could have. We just want a little. We're sport. We're we're greedy. We just would have wanted, <laughs> right? We wanted. We we always want everything at like a hundred percent as best that we can get it. Let's mention a few more things before we start to go through uh, this movie sure. in order. So, the hopping through the dimensions was yeah really cool. Just getting a look at some like. We got little tidbits of this in What If with mm-hmm. different dimensions. We've seen Doctor Strange in, you know, the mirror dimension and in the dark dimension and in, in, in different places throughout. But just seeing the – so I'm, I know I'll be missing some of them. But there was one dimension with three, like the living tribunal with the three mm-hmm. heads. There was like this cosmic curvy world. There was a, mm-hmm. a beehive filled with honeycomb. There was this underwater world with fish and coral reef. Then they go back to New York. There's this like tech tech tube 
world. Then there's this like <laughs> space hell with skulls and bones and skeletons. They're in a world where there's a dinosaurs with a T-Rex and a Triceratops. <laughs> they go through this animated universe. Then there's uh-huh. this one where there's this plane wreckage all over the place. Then they're in cubes. They're in a cube dimension. Yeah. They're paint reality. They go back in time where they look like they're in like an old movie in the 1930s. Then they're in uh-huh. this weird alien looking universe with stone and stonehenge type symbols all over (laughs) there's one that looks like the future and of course i had to mention it because obi-wan is going on right now there's one that uh the guy on new rock stars talks about it looks like mustafar there no doubt about it it looks like (laughs) where uh obi-wan and anakin battled years back so it just Hopping through all of these then we get to dimension 838 where we end up spending a little bit of time which is sort of like a a utopia manhattan This is cool because this is something that I saw people like. I saw people really dislike. They wanted to spend more time in a lot of these places. But I like it because I know that I'm not really worried about where we're spending time now because knowing what Disney Disney Plus and where we're going, we're going to get to these places at some point. I I guarantee you we will revisit a lot of these places. Like we've got nothing but time in the future. Yeah, I hope so. I, I I was one of those people who wanted a little bit more time, sure. a little bit more details we, about these, I, yeah. uh, these variant universes and whatnot. Um, but that said, what we got, I, I really did enjoy that visual spectacle, that that montage as they're like crashing through all the different universes that you described was was pretty beautiful. And that, that was one thing that I was looking for in there was to just see all these different you know, iterations of what a universe could be realized up on, on screen and kind of play with that. Uh, and, you know, jumping ahead a little bit, we got a post-credit sequence uh, that basically gives us m- many more multiverse stories uh, down the line. We're, 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 it's promising many more to us. Uh, I mean, we got Clea come in and literally tear open uh, like a seam in, in the fabric of the universe right right on in the middle of the street. So we're going to see a lot more dimension hopping. We're going to see more America Chavez. Uh, and what is that going to entail? Like, what are those universes that we're going to get to see? Who knows? We're going to get more what if. So the whole multiverse aspect of uh, of Marvel in general is like we're just scratching the surface of that, even though we're two movies in a, in a series deep already, two series deep on multiverses. So uh, they're going to do a lot more than, uh, with this concept and, and mining it. Now, two more things I want to talk with you about before we start going uh, through this in order. Are you at all worried about the multiverse concept now? Does, because knowing that we could bring back different versions of people, mm. different variants about what, it, you know, Does it make some of these moments, some of these deaths, some of these things feel a little bit less important, less hollow? Is it more hollow? Do you – I haven't really got that sense yet, and maybe it's because Mm -hmm. we haven't had like a Tony Stark come back, someone like that, where we – I think those moments were really huge. If that happens, I may feel a little differently. I don't really feel that way yet. I don't feel like things have been really watered down. I can understand getting there. I think I might yeah. need to see one of those bigger, you know, characters in order to feel that way. How, do you feel? Are you are you nervous at all about where we're going and and what? How you can just reset everything with the multiverse almost? The reset thing is is a problem. Uh, if you can just make anything. Uh, kind of moot 
it kind of it makes the whole journey kind of kind of pointless. Um, but if they're going to use this concept smart uh, and like let's say they bring let's say they bring back Iron Man, uh, it can't be the same Tony Stark. No. I mean, even if it's Robert Downey Jr., it has to be a fundamentally different character that brings something else to the table. Doesn't know what's yeah. hasn't been through the same things. He doesn't have the memories. He doesn't have that. Then yeah, I could feel and something that. has to be different. Yeah, something important has to be different to distinguish him from the, the Tony Stark. Like we see the Doctor Strange in this movie, our, our you know our main Doctor Strange, Doctor Strange Prime. He's uh, arguably the best of the Doctor Stranges uh, in the universe. We were essentially led to believe that the other Doctor Stranges have kind of fatal character flaws, and I think that that's something. Like if we brought back Tony Stark, it would have to be like maybe a, a bad Tony Stark. I yeah, think that's something right. that could work. Um, right. So, you know, because that Tony Stark that that we lost already, th- his sacrifice and that story has to has to remain that way in order it has for to it mean to mean something. Mm-hmm. It has to mean something, you know, for us as an audience, really. Uh, otherwise, they're just cannibalizing, you know, their own storytelling. And it, it, if they if if everything can happen and everything does happen and like nothing really matters, you know what I mean? There's there's there. Like you said, there's no stakes to it. If they can just undo everything, but and you know th- these stories are written, so it's just about how they choose to write them. This is something they got to be very careful about all over the place because I'm not going to get into too much, and I'm not trying to spoil anything for anyone with uh, who hasn't been watching Obi Wan. But you have to be careful about you know just all of this when you have things that have been that have been done either in the future or in the past. Mm-hmm. You got to be careful about stuff that ties to them. Because mm-hmm. if you move one thing around a little bit, then then something that you've done down the line doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Yeah, you know you and you want to be you want to serve your audience right now and do these things that are great and that are awesome and that are exciting. But you you have to be careful that it all can make sense down the line because you don't yeah. like you said you don't want to cannibalize some of your own product and your own content, and you don't want to lessen some of the things you've done. Previously, just to self-serve right now in the moment in this ooh shock value type thing, right? So, um, yeah. the, the the long-term story is always important. Final thing I want to get in before we start moving through this uh, in order. Okay, so we were introduced to the Illuminati, and uh, yeah. <laughs> and what? How did you like the way they did this, where they bring them all in, and then yeah. spoiler alert: within moments, Wanda just. Absolutely destroys them one yeah. at a time. I mean, the, I I think by far the most grueling death we've seen mm-hmm. in the MCU with the Black Bolt, with what she does. When <laughs> oh she, yeah. When she oh yeah. Covers his mouth and he screams and it reverberates through his own mind and he blows yeah. himself up. You see his head like caved in. And yeah. She just goes after one at a time. And Professor Xavier, <laughs> Professor X, who's in her mind, mm. she just, she just cracks his neck. I mean, yeah. I saw some some people obviously hated this, but I mm-hmm. I actually thought it was kind of funny because again, I yeah. I I think we're gonna get most of these, if not all of these people, back again soon in different projects. But everybody mm-hmm. was so excited about John Krasinski playing Mr. Yeah. Fantastic. And this was one that people had thought about for years and that people yeah. had, uh, you know, and he shows up and then boom, within moments, he's just gone. So <laughs> what, what, what did you think about all of this? 
Well, the cameos were one of those things that we were building up in our heads. You know, like yeah. the, the fans were just doing that. And that was rightfully so, because like like we said, we were just coming off of No Way Home. And that was that was the cameo movie. Uh, so they had to do something in this. And they I, did they quite top it. Not really, in my opinion. But this sequence was great. Uh, and the, the fact that it was so brutal and we got to see the spaghettification of Mr. Fantastic, of John Krasinski's Mr. Fantastic. That was, was that like was a beautiful. She just, I mean, <laughs> yeah. she, it was, I will say, I laughed. I laughed yeah. like, a, like a laugh out mm-hmm. loud just because I, I, it, it's cool that Marvel, they, they understand things, you know, and, and like, mm-hmm. this is sort of a troll job, which I love. Like, this was an yeah. absolute troll job. And they, they will only troll you. Like knowing that they're going to give you the payoff at some point I don't mm-hmm. think they would troll you just to troll you Right This did sort of feel like a Ralph Boner moment in A little bit Because you kind of got <laughs> A little know, bit got, A little bit Because you kind of got You thought you were getting something But but you you this was a little different than that You actually were getting them Like you yeah. did get yeah. Professor Xavier Like this was Mr. Fully realized. They They yeah. were them there They just got destroyed and it just shows you the power of Wanda. I think it was more than anything yeah. to show you what she could do. But uh, I, I, I laughed. I thought that was funny. The, you get the Captain, you get the Captain Carter. I could do this yeah. all day. No, you great. can't. Just no, <laughs> yeah. you can't. Just diced right in half. Just so Darth mauled. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> it got me, man. So I like that, and uh, I liked a lot of the multiverse of madness. We're gonna get through it. Positives, negatives. We'll do our best to go scene by scene. I will say it's a little more difficult because I actually don't have the script like I do when we do have the, the TV mm-hmm. shows and the movies are a little longer. But we'll uh, we'll go through as best that we can in order of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. So, TK, we open up and we're, like you said, right away, we're in what they are referring to as the Gap Junction. It's the space mm-hmm. between universes. The look of this was kind of cool. It was like... Um, Everything is off a little. It's very purple. There's winding yeah. staircases that they're running to. It just looks like a world where everything got thrown off a little bit. Um, things are yeah. off in the sky. Nothing seems to be in in unison. And we're quickly introduced to a new girl named America Chavez, and she's with Defender Doctor Strange, who's rocking mm-hmm. a ponytail here. <laughs> it looks, <laughs> looks a little bit different. Um, yeah. So uh, worth mentioning. America Chavez She's the first Latin superhero in the MCU She's also the first LGBTQ plus superhero She has a pride flag On her jacket And she has Incredible powers that she Cannot control yet Like a lot of superheroes through the years X-Men, anyone, you're watching the boys It's always one thing with the young superheroes, they have to figure out and learn their power. Stranger Things, everybody, it's uh, the, the Star right. Wars. That's a consistent thing with anyone that has some powers. You don't just get them and master in their master. You have to use, you have to figure out how to use them. And so right. that's that's where she has a problem right now. She doesn't understand how she will open these different portals. And in fact, Tim, the story is that mm-hmm. she. She got her family stuck in a different universe Accidentally She didn't even realize she did it So new character right off the bat In America Chavez What were some of your uh, your thoughts of her throughout this movie 
Uh, I really liked her. I thought she was a, a very just likable character instantly. The casting I thought was really solid. Um, I love the representation that uh, she embodies uh, that you mentioned there. Um, and I like that they're doing her powers uh, the way you described. Um, kind of the X-Men uh, mm-hmm. approach to it where it's this innate ability that kind of um, – presents itself uh as a reaction to stress as a defense mechanism just naturally but you know at the beginning they don't understand it and so that's that's sort of america's uh journey in this uh in this story is that she 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 doesn't understand how to use her powers and uh she has to grow to kind of like find herself and fit into her body and and come into her own believe in her powers and eventually control them so these two, America Chavez and Defender Strange, they are trying to get to the Book of Ashanti, which is a it's a book of positive counter spells. So very important for them to to find this. They're trying to get through this big, huge, evil creature who's sort of guarding the book. And mm-hmm. as Doctor Strange is trying to battle. And trying to contain this monster, the they're transformed kind of back into a portal into Earth six one six. That so that's our mm-hmm. that's our code six one six for this dimension for Earth. And as Doctor Strange is kind of battling this, he actually gets killed. The the evil Doctor Strange gets killed. Mm-hmm. Their uh, Defender Strange by this demon. So it's. Kind of like it, we're right into craziness, yeah. <laughs> right off the bat, and then it's like, oh, it's a dream. Doctor Strange kind of wakes up and thinks that yeah. everything that was going on is a dream, so he doesn't really know, like, the girl America who was in his dream. He's been through so much, right. you know. He feels like this might be things that he had remembered, and this leads to kind of a key Marvel MCU tidbit where they mm-hmm. actually define dreams now. Um, yeah, in their yeah. world as a new rule into the multiverse yeah seeing our other selves so yeah this is something now when you think about when people have talked about their dreams in the MCU you start to wonder does tony stark see his other self with a family and with kids when he talked about dreams when wanda was getting into everyone through their dreams was it really implanting ideas and memories of of their other selves in other multiverses. So this does open up a little bit now with uh, the idea that a dream is a look at another version of yourself. Yeah, I love that. They, they just continue the world building and then every story seems to add a new layer to the onion of just how it all fits together and what are the rules to this world. And I love that this as the stories progress and and cross over that those rules apply to, you know, the, the world as a whole. So I just think that, that that was that was a really cool moment, um, a really cool revelation that is. But uh, also, I think very important in this uh, opening sequence is that we see Strange or uh, Defender Strange in this uh, in this universe uh, essentially sacrifice or choose to sacrifice America Chavez. There. Willing that's to when, sacrifice. Yep. Yeah. Again. Yep. And that's when her defense mechanism, you know, blasts them into another uh, universe before you know. Uh, Defender Strange gets killed But uh, that uh, I thought was very important to the, the character of Doctor Strange and like Also why our Strange is important 
you know, uh, why the 616 characters might be maybe the most important versions of, or maybe of our evolved. heroes. That's why yeah, we, I was going to yeah. say almost like the most evolved. Like they seem like they, mm-hmm. they have, they're the most well-rounded and that they've sort of thought things through the most as, uh, yeah, the, the other versions of Strange seem maybe a little evil, and I'm glad that you yeah. <laughs> pointed out defense mechanism, because that's really what it is for America mm-hmm. and for a lot of these, um, these whether they're X-Men or they're, they're called mm-hmm. soups and boys, like people that are, that are heightened with their powers, you know, they, when they don't know, when they, when they feel threatened, that's when those mm-hmm. powers come out. It's like any, any predator, right? A porcupine, you feel threatened, that's when the spikes come out, and that's what we get from America is uh they she opens that portal they're back in earth 616 but then it it's just strange waking up looks like it was all uh a nightmare so yeah. he he gets up like normal he starts getting ready to go to Christine's wedding it's going to be awkward here as uh <laughs> he it, it, Christine Palmer his his love so He's at the wedding, and as you would imagine, there's you know some of that awkwardness. He's kind of reflecting on everything. He meets Doctor Nick West, who mm-hmm. had been uh, dusted in the blip, and he he has this moment with Christine when they're having a drink. He turns some of the water into wine. You know, a little little cool uh, parlor trick yeah. there, and they basically kind of have a, a moment of closure. Where they they talk about how it just wouldn't have ever worked with them, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it sort of helps him and hurts him at the same time. But yeah. it's it's one of those things where we find with a lot of our superheroes, like they can't really live the normal life. And for Doctor Strange, it was even more than that because he's just a self absorbed guy. <laughs> like he's very very yeah. self absorbed, and it just doesn't seem like he was ever going to be the type of guy to really settle down with Christine. Yeah, I mean, he's always had that. Um... Parallel with Iron Man. I know the first Doctor Strange movie was uh, criticized maybe for being almost like a beat for beat kind of copy of that mm-hmm. movie. I don't yeah. I don't criticize it for that. I see the parallels, but I, I love the first Doctor Strange movie. I thought it was really well done. Uh, but the characters are fundamentally very, very similar. Um, and they they're they've got egos, they've got swag and they're a little bit selfish. Uh, and that's part of their journey is kind of. Um, getting outside of that selfishness and becoming selfless heroes and that that's their hero's journey. Um, that's their big parallel with each other. So yeah, you can, you can definitely see that coming through in, in these scenes. So as they're, uh, they're at the wedding and they're celebrating and it, this felt exactly like right out of Spider-Man, you know, you're in, you're in like a New York high rise and something goes mm. on and you know doctor strange saves the day he and he but he doesn't hide everybody knows who doctor strange is he pulls that cloak right out you know he's got right. it like in his pocket yeah. square and and he's just like right out to uh to fight the big the big bad and there's a huge gargantos tentacled monster yeah. who initially is is invisible and and nobody can see what's doing all the damage, but you can just hear people in the streets and you can see destruction. Doctor Strange gets out there. He starts fighting the beast. And in doing so, we actually see America Chavez. And, yeah. and Strange, he's kind of looking at her like, do I know you? I recognize this girl. And, and it's the girl from his dream, from his quote unquote nightmare. He's He's able to 
get the better of the the big evil monster Gargantos there uh, with a little bit of help from Wong. And so this is uh, this is Gargantos. This is not Shumagorath, who many people who um, thought it may have been. There's there's yeah. sort of some uh, some issues with using that particular monster quite now. So Gargantos is like a, a big squid monster with a single eye, and the way that Doctor Strange gets the job done here is so Raimi. He like yeah. stabs this big monster that's got one eye right in the eye and like. Like plucks it right out like like a, a plunger. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's so gory and like the, the 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 stuff about some of Raimi's work. If you know, if mm-hmm. you think about like Evil Dead and stuff like that, it's it's scary, but it's almost funny. Oh yeah, yeah it's like a, a horror comic. cartoon. Yeah, 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 absolutely. yeah, absolutely. And that's why you may like it makes you kind of laugh, and that it's it's a distinct style to it. Where mm-hmm. it's this like oh But you kind of like it's like ooh At the same time right it, it It's scary yeah. but it There are moments where it's it's very comedic Also and I got that sense right here Where he, he really wants to To show you the gore and the dripping And um, I, I thought yeah. this This reminded me of like Like one of the early Spider-Man movies This scene felt straight mm-hmm. out of like Out of Tobey Maguire yeah. Spider-Man yeah, and even the, the CG uh, felt a little bit cartoonish, not necessarily in a bad way. I know that could be a pejorative normally, but it felt cartoonish in the way that Sam Raimi kind of makes these horror cartoons on screen. Uh, it felt it felt very appropriate uh, to, to the look of it. It was very detailed, very intricate, but there was just a gloss to it that was kind of uh, cartoonish that actually – for me, it, it brightened everything up a little bit and made it this somehow whimsical yet very darkly, um, uh, uh, you know, it was a violent moment, but it was somehow like kind of fun and, yeah. and, and bright and colorful at the same time. Um, I think it was done a little bit of a disservice by uh, the Suicide Squad coming out recently and having a similar um, similar large starfish. Uh, I forget the name of the of the uh, the character, but. Uh, visually, it was kind of a similar thing going on, especially with the the eye uh, and that how they finished them off. So really, took really, a little really bit. Take me really, really... <laughs> that's a good thought. Uh, oh gosh, I, I oh. love peace. I, I like Peacemaker. I think more than I liked uh, the Suicide me Squad. Too. I liked me the too. Suicide Squad a lot. Yeah, that was a good. That song was that little intro was great. <laughs> was great. So a couple important things about this interaction. First, Doctor Strange can see some runes around. The, these monsters and there there are like runes throughout when he's battling. So when he sees runes, he thinks to to maybe ask Wanda a little bit. And America sort of lets um, Wong and Doctor Strange know what's been going on. That mm-hmm. there are these monsters, these demons that are they're coming after her for her powers. And like it's funny when Doctor Strange has to interact with younger with kids or you know with, with teens. He just looks yeah. he looks so down on them. Like he thinks <laughs> he's just so much better than them and smarter than them. And like he just gives them looks like what? Like roll their eyes. Like right. some of his early Peter Parker interactions are just like, come, come on, man. You know, and yeah. so he's kind of he's a little unsure as you know he's talking to her. I, I think it's at this point when they do uh you know, he knows Spider-Man, mm-hmm. but he doesn't know Peter Parker. So keep in mind right. where we're, where we are right now, because 
They did the spell where nobody knows Peter Parker, but he does mm-hmm. know of a Spider-Man. And there's even a refer a, a point where America asks that you he, he shoots stuff. Does he shoot stuff out of his butt? You know, he, they're playing up <laughs> on the uh, on you know yeah. uh, what uh, Tom Holland was asking if uh, yeah if Toby can shoot stuff out of anywhere. So yeah. they they got a little bit of a. Um, they got some info from America, and so Doctor Strange now the wheels are kind of spinning in his head. He saw this monster come in. He spoke with this girl who he thinks he saw in his dream. She mentions dimensions in the multiverse. So he feels like one of the smarter, most powerful people he knows in this universe, Wanda. Let's go talk with Wanda and find out anything that we can about the multiverse. So. Uh, yeah. The, I'm going to mention all throughout this movie I mean I've got like 15 Different movies of horror movies That I found at least one little scene Or something that reminded me Of right. which I mean You 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 get psycho Paranormal activity Evil dead uh, mm-hmm. Drag me to hell like Raimi stuff mm-hmm. Carrie Rosemary's baby Poltergeist stuff I mean mm-hmm. you just I've got little notes For things there's like that reminds me of this 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 so Really, really cool lean-ins to all sorts of famous scenes, famous moments, famous movies. I mean, The Ring is obviously one that people are going to be thinking about when when they mm-hmm. see Wanda's body all all uh, contorted, yeah. crawling through the TV, oh. yeah, yeah, or whatever so, she was crawling through, yeah, yeah. So just great stuff here, and I think this was uh, is it Eric from New Rock Stars who. Um, yeah, Eric Voss. the main guys. Yeah, he does such a great job there. And I think yeah. he had talked about how one of the major, major themes of this movie, and really like everything with Doctor Strange and with Wanda, is all about sacrifice versus personal happiness, which is a really right. cool theme. And you think about it with both of them, like Doctor Strange leaving Christine's wedding, you know, the woman of yeah. his dreams, to go save the day. That's his life. He could right. be there with the woman that he loves, but instead he knows that he has more he has to be the person to save the day. Wanda, she wants to be with Vision. She wants to be with her family. She wants to be with her right. boys. That can't be possible. And we even get a scene when Vi- when Doctor Strange says he's going to go talk with Wanda. The first scene that we get, it's like we're right back in WandaVision. She's yeah. with the boys. We kind of hear the music and the intro and, and she's there happy with the family But then quickly we Realize that that's a nightmare And she wakes up and that's not real So there's yeah. all of this with these two And and all A lot of our superheroes right? It, it comes down to sacrifice Versus personal happiness And did they yeah. make a sacrifice For the greater good Peter Parker made the uh, an ultimate sacrifice right now. The woman that he loves doesn't know who he is. His friends, you know, to to keep them safe, he, you know, had them lose their memories of him. Now uh, yeah. we have this Wanda who we meet with, and she's just so tormented. Wanda, she's been through so much. Even though the last time we saw her at the end of WandaVision, she felt a little bit maybe like she was going to cope. This is a woman mm-hmm. who's lost vision multiple times. She had a family. She lost a family. Think about what she's been with in Sokovia, with her family, with her brother. Oh, she yeah. has been through as much as anyone in the MCU, yeah. any character. And she will be the big bad for uh, for the rest of this movie. So what do you think about yeah. Doctor Strange going to see Wanda 
and um, <laughs> the orchard, the the Snow White evil evil witch apple orchard that she uh, that she had created. Well, uh, immediately it gives off this kind of too good to be true vibe. Um, beautiful, what was it, cherry blossoms or you said apple? I, I, I'm not sure, but it was a beautiful orchard. It just looked so pristine and perfect, but like too perfect. Uh, and then I, I love the simplicity of, hey, I'm going to go to this person for help because this is the only person that can help us. And oh no, this person now wants to kill us. Like, like this, this is the person that's going to be the big bad and the big villain of the story. And we actually came to them for help. The irony of that and the simplicity of it and that like the, the kind of truth about that. Sometimes you, you go to help for people for help and then they they turn on you, you know, like they, they smell the weakness or they they have their own agenda. And that's what happens Absolutely. here. Um, so uh, they end up way worse off than when they started. Uh, if they hadn't gone to her for help, uh, well, there's really no movie. Um, uh, I think America Chavez just hangs out with Dr. Strange for a while and they, they, they go on yeah. some adventures. Yeah. But uh, this really brings things to a head like right away. It almost felt like as a as a viewer watching it, it was almost a little like surreal. It just happened so fast on a dime. She reveals that the dark hold has corrupted everything around her, and it just shifts dramatically visually. And then you know, okay, this person's not in a good place. This was bad. And then immediately, it's like threatening. He's threatening. Mm-hmm. She she's threatening him, and like he goes back uh, with this sense of like, well, that didn't go so well. <laughs> yeah, he <laughs> says like, so what, what are you going to do? Cause she, she wants yeah. what America's powers. She wants the ability Wanda does to, to jump between multiverses, um, mm-hmm. and, and continue to use her powers. So that way she can, right. she can find her family. She can get her kids back. She can create this perfect utopian world for herself. So she needs the power that America has to do so. So Wanda's actually been the one who's been sending these demons after America to try to to try to gain her powers. And mm. and Doctor Strange, in in realizing this, he, he, you're right. He kind of leaves this interaction going, "Oh, I even gave more away." Now. <laughs> like, I, what, like, what did I just step in here? Uh oh. <laughs> like, as Wanda basically tells him, "Hey, look, like you've got a day." And I think the line right. that she says is, you know, he says, and then what? And then what? And she, in in similar words, says, it won't be Wanda that's coming after yeah. her. It'll be the Scarlet Witch. She says with, that with a ferocity, dude. Yeah. Uh, that was a great moment. And the music that kicks in after that and the, <sighs> the sequence, it, uh, very cool, very Raimi. Uh, I, I loved that moment. It was, it was, uh, Unexpected. Um, yeah. I knew that she was going to be the villain, but I didn't know it was just going to happen just like that, like right out of the gate. Like she's bad. She's already gone bad. That Darkhold has already taken taken hold of her, so to speak, uh, before he even meets her. So it's a two dumb of deal. my favorite. Like, and they were just like simple, just sort of like the way mm-hmm. she, the way she says things, and she does it in this like a, I, I can't even really explain mm-hmm. it. Like she says it, and it's almost like she's like Joe. It's She's like laying it on so thick and she used, she yeah. like does something with her eyes to where it's like she really speaks to you. And there, there's this, another moment where she talks about, you know, what happened with Vision and what Dr. Strange did. And she's and, and what Dr. Strange did and like how it sort of wiped away like Vision's sacrifice. And she's kind of like, you know, she calls him a hypocrite and, and she's right mm. about some of the things that he's done. And she has this little mm. like. Well, that doesn't really seem fair, does it? 
And it's like right. the way she says it and like looks into it, looks at him, and it's just like, damn, she's right. And I just like it's she does a fantastic job in this movie, and she though yeah. she just stands out so much because she's gorgeous, but she's like got such a presence throughout. Yeah. She's scary, like she's doing all these different things, and she's able to elicit so many different emotions from you. And uh, Doctor Strange is he's scared. He realizes yeah. that. They've got to uh, they've got to protect America now. So mm-hmm. they head to the Comertage and they actually mm-hmm. ask for help from some of the masters of the mystic arts from all over the place, right? I think we have the different what was it London, like Hong Kong and New York, I think are where some of the three um uh, the where the leaders of the mystic arts are all around the world. And so they actually come through portals and we've got the, they're setting up the commertage for a brawl here. They're trying yeah. to create an, a fortress that's impenetrable with yeah. incredible power with spells. So they're doing everything they can to make sure that when Wanda comes here, she's not going to be able to break through. She's not going to be able to get through to America. And right. it, when Wanda comes in, she kind of blows in like a cloud. And there, the one one of the yeah. movies I didn't mention was one that we, it was Wizard of Oz. Obviously, there's so mm. much Wizard of Oz stuff throughout this movie right. that you see, which is the witch, even you know, like oh, sure. uh, coming right in. And they're able to to sort of battle her um, and to to sort of yeah uh, thwart her, her attempts initially. Yeah. But what she does. Which is just fantastic. She possesses one of the one of the men there. She actually yeah. kind of comes and whispers in his ear. She uses her uh, telepathic powers, and yeah. so she she targets one of the sorcerers. She's able to disable his magic, and so what, you're only what does she say? Strong. She just whispers. Sorry to interrupt. She yeah, just no, whispers like run or something into yeah, his, into yeah, his like, uh, ear basically and i love that the shot of it because she's up floating above them and they're facing off in this way I, the visual language of it i thought was interesting too because it's very much like star wars it's like a mm-hmm. force field or something Absolutely. we've seen it like wakanda we've seen we've seen this in a different format before but it's essentially the exact same thing they're just doing magic force field on her and it creates this like you know energy wall and then she's attacking it with her, you know, uh, mystical powers, her witch powers. And it's she's like shooting energy at, at it and opening up like a little hole in the force field kind of. It's it's exactly the same visual language as that that Star Wars force field stuff. So I thought that was really cool. But then in, right in the middle of that, it's like they pull out, pull away like all the sound. Uh, they go really hushed. And then she's just magically right behind the guy like down on the ground and whispers in his ear just the 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 contrast there really heightens that sense of that she's like otherworldly and beyond their power so much just because she's literally like not embodying the the physical dynamic that they're all existing in in that moment she just like subverts that and show you know shows up on this guy's shoulder like that's a really weird like uh, Mephisto kind of like power to it, you know, like that's a that's the devil right there. That's the that's the you can't imagine somebody more powerful than that. They're hovering above you, firing blasts at you, but they're also whispering behind your ear. That's 
pretty cool. And I love the way Raimi did it. He just did it with such style and flair. The next like few minutes, there's so much good Raimi stuff here. We were introduced to Sarah, who was one of the masters of the mystic arts, who I believe in the comics was a love interest of Wong. Um, She's Mm -hmm. quickly... Uh, she she helps uh, in in some spots, but she's dispatched. We're introduced to a minotaur named Rintra. All of them are enlisted to try to help uh, fend off Wanda here. But what ends up happening is once Wanda is able to penetrate the fortress, the, she starts plucking everyone off one at a time. Yeah, and yeah, th- that's when we see all throughout. The so th- this is when we're w- so we're not quite into the ring. Okay, yeah, that that's where we're getting with with Wanda, and she's mm-hmm. she gets trapped by Strange in the mirror dimension. So mm. she for a moment, Strange and America and Wong are all seeming like they've got the advantage on Wanda, but Wanda is right. so powerful, and as she's in the mirror dimension. She is able to use any surfaces that have a reflection, and she she makes she comes through those surfaces. Yeah. So you can <laughs> see if there's a, a like a puddle of water, she can look through that. Any mirror, yeah. she looks right through at you, and she actually c- c- crawls out of one of these, just like the ring that you mentioned. Her yeah. body is all contorted. I could not believe this when it was when it happened. I was yeah. like, "Whoa, we're going here!" And I'm I'm glad we yeah. did. It was just gross in the coolest ways. But mm-hmm. Wanda, I mean, th- this was one of the scarier parts. I think when when with like you're seeing her eye and she keeps popping out of these mirrors and the yeah. and the the puddles and she's t- really trying to come after America to gain yeah. her powers. I really like this whole part and a lot of the stuff in the commertage. It wasn't long, but it was mm-hmm. it was it was cool. It was some of the most uh, some of the visual things that I I will really remember and that are going to stay with me. Yeah, the mirror dimension stuff was so trippy and visually really uh, incredible. Like from her perspective inside the dimension, and then all the stuff happening outside with them trying to cover the reflections and her coming through, and then that great. Ring moment with her all contorted, you know, coming out of the the mirror. Um, and I, I I love how fast it seems to happen. It's like uh, the movie really moves, and I feel like when it got to that point, or Scarlet Witch is you know hovering above, and uh, it was about to go down. I was like, oh, we're we're doing this already. Like, wow, we're really like we're facing there. This is like a big battle that you might see in the third act. Mm-hmm. Of a lot of these Marvel movies, like most of the Marvel movies end with something like this in like the this. third act. Yep. And this is happening, I think, at the end of the first act, probably, yep. Yep. Um, w- which was really cool. I, I-, I thought, like, there- this is really going. That said, there was some sluggish moments with-, with dialogue, like when Strange and Wanda face off up top. I thought that that could have been trimmed down a little bit. Uh, regardless, I still like the whole dynamic, the whole moment of him going up to kind of try to talk her out of it and then coming back like, well, you know, again, that did not go well. Yeah. Uh, didn't but, work. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, uh, this movie is really, I love how they were just, she was tearing through uh, uh, sorcerers there. I mean, she did, she killed almost everybody. Uh, it was really brutal. Some of them, I like the little introductions of some of the characters that Minotaur guy stood out. 
uh, barely in the movie in there, just a little bit here and there, but it just added some flavor to those scenes. Uh, and um, if I could, if I'm going to make a, a criticism, I'll say, you know, I touched on that there that it used very similar visual language to like Star Wars or something like that. And I wonder if that's maybe a little bit lazy. Um, if there was another way to, to present this it, it, besides, you know, a bunch of guys standing in a row and, and holding their hands up and creating like a wall, it kind of makes sense to me. But also I wonder, like, could they have dived a little deeper with the, with the magic stuff? Harry Potter uh, and that series kind of devolved in a way uh, as the series went on to where it was like they were just magicians shooting like laser wands at each other. That's what they, the, the battles kind of. Mm-hmm. turned into ultimately i think but there's so many creative things that you can do with magic and we see some later on like i'll, I'll jump ahead that the music fight that happens later oh, on that, is just yeah so so more stuff like that i think would have been cool the mirror thing yes. actually was was an example of that that i thought from the sequence was really great um but i i, I still wanted just a little bit more of that stuff that said really great sequence Yep, I agree. I agree with uh, almost everything that you said there. There were some parts that were a little imperfect here and there, but mm-hmm. the I love that they tr- everything that they tried and were willing to allow. Like you were hitting on it, that they were willing to let happen in an MCU mm-hmm. movie. They were willing to just sort of take the handcuffs off and let Raimi be Raimi mm-hmm. for almost all of this, and then fit that into the MCU. And I appreciate that. It, it, it's not yeah. going to be perfect in letting that happen. So I, I will right. take some of the. Some of the the positives with the negatives, but really scary stuff that I'm going to remember coming out of this yeah. point. And as you had referenced earlier, when when she feels like she needs to defend herself, that's when another portal gets opened by America. Right. So she opens another portal, and her and Doctor Strange. This is the point where they go falling through the multiverse, yeah. and they go through yeah. that. You know. Um, the curvy world, the beehive, the underwater, New York, the tech, space hell, the T-Rex, the Triceratops, the the animated universe, all the different universes that we saw here. And we're coming right mm-hmm. out of being in this like straight horror movie, straight yeah. horror, all these different horror styles. We've got Wanda's creepy eye. We've got distorted limbs like the ring. And then we're in like a, a paint reality. It's just yeah. The, the contrast of like where we're going and how quickly this is moving, and so we we're like falling through the dimension, and they keep falling through all these different dimensions that we just get a brief little look on. And the the complaint, which is very valid, is that you know we talked about at the beginning, we want to spend a little more time in some of these places, which I'm I'm assuming that mm-hmm. we will. We get a little little bit of a scratch of the surface on all these different yeah. different places. But we end up, TK, in Dimension 838, which is mm-hmm. this sort of utopia Manhattan. There are plants mm-hmm. and uh, kind of wind turbines. The traffic lights are backwards. Red lights are green. Yeah. Green lights are red. And That was one thing I'll, I'll say. It was an example I saw brought up as Multiverse of Madness didn't have enough big ideas in it. Because one of the main examples in this universe is just red lights are, are green. I kind of see where that's coming from, but I also see how it's an easy shorthand to just kind of explain to the audience, like, yeah, no, don't take anything for granted. Things that are kind of essential or guaranteed in our universe might not be consistent here. Uh, and so that works. That said, I also agree 
that maybe we could have it's a come up late. with a few. I we know. could come up with a few more examples of wh why this world is is different and and make it interesting. That was to yeah. me, I thought a you you said it lazy. safe lazy yeah just yeah. sort of like yeah come on you can do better than that i i agree yeah it's not a huge deal or anything but it's just it a stood little, out to me though yeah, yeah it's yeah. definitely it's like because it's weird it's just it is one of those things that it makes you stop and think about a little bit and then you start asking why and then you're you're doing that instead of following along with what's going on in the movie you know right. and it's just not there's not enough there there no you know there's not totally enough to chew on. we got a cameo by bruce campbell here who is someone who is mm. in uh, some of the Sam Raimi movies and all of them, pretty much, right? Yeah, yeah, like he, he's in all of them. Um, there are some consistent things that you you will see in like a lot of Sam Raimi uh, Sam Raimi movies. That Oldsmobile car, which we see, mm -hmm. you'll see Bruce Campbell. You know, you get those slasher murder, uh, crazy camera work, and yeah. Doctor Strange actually curses this dude, and he curses his hand, and this is yeah. straight out of. Like the evil dead evil here dead. Yeah. Where And this ends up being like we can talk about it now Our second post credit scene They kind of tease everybody mm -hmm. and make them wait yeah. Till the very end just to see the guy Like still punching himself Yeah. So yeah. Um, and it's a meta joke too I love the meta joke of it how he's like It's over <laughs> and he looks right into the camera To say it say there's it. two There's two moments actually I think we might have even Missed it already where where um, A character looks right At the camera uh, I don't know if it happened yet. Oh, I'm not oh, sure. No, but I think Scarlet it's, Wanda, Witch. it's Wanda coming up soon. Yep. Oh, yep. okay. Got it. Yeah. yeah. But there's there's two. There's a funny one at the end, Pizza Pop, and it's very meta joke, and it works in in the reality of the story because he is possessed there, and I think Doctor Strange says it's gonna last like a week or two or something like that. He's gonna be mm -hmm. punching punching his own face for Just a week. But yeah, it's also such a great reference. Like you, you mentioned, he literally does that exact same thing in the Evil Dead franchise. He has a possessed hand, and he's being pu punched in the face. It was the birth of like essentially a new genre that Sam Raimi created. I think it was James Cameron who said that he uh, he created a, a horror comedy, uh, a horror sorry a horror cartoon uh, with with his style. Uh, forgive me if I'm wrong on attributing that to to James Cameron, but um, that's the best way you could describe Sam Raimi's style. And he just he brings that flair all across this movie, and that's such a great example of it. And the fact that they got uh, Bruce Campbell in it. I know some people are a little disappointed because you know they wanted it, him to be like a variant of um, uh, who was it? Uh, I'm blanking on his name, but the the villain from Spider-Man: uh, Far From Home. Oh, oh, uh, um, um, not, name escapes me right now. Yeah, I know. We're, we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah, uh, it, Jake oh, Gyllenhaal's oh, character Gyllenhaal, from that. Um, uh, uh, yeah. Mysterio. There we go. Mysterio. Yes. Like yeah. uh, so. Just a little tidbit is that. Supposedly, there was plans that uh, he was going to be Mysterio in the Raimi quadrilogy or whatever, if it had, ex it had extended. He'd done those cameos in every Spider-Man movie, and then they were going to maybe tie it all together that he was Mysterio the whole time. So a lot of fans thought that maybe that that was going to be an Easter egg or some element of this movie, and maybe were disappointed by the use of Pizza Papa instead of that. But I thought it was great. So Strange and America find Mordo. Strange is a little mm. bit concerned because he, he yeah. <laughs> thinks Mordo maybe doesn't like him. He's not sure. But Mordo acts nice. He gives him a hug, and he yeah. has him sit down for tea. They start to talk about the Scarlet Witch, but then they soon pass out because they have been drugged by Mordo. He tricked them. 
And when they wake up, they are in a facility, and they are in a facility that is at the Baxter Foundation headquarters, which uh, I know got a lot of people excited right away. Yeah. So this is a different version of Christine. This is the uh, the eight three eight version of Christine, and when. They are here talking with her. She's a scientist. She helps managing the multiverse. They actually bring Doctor Strange before the like the leaders of you know the the basically their Avengers, which are mm-hmm. referred to as the Illuminati. It's a group of six basically leaders of each of their groups. Is right. Is sort of how they like reference the Illuminati. Six leaders representing super factions in the comics. And so this group of the Illuminati was Captain Carter, Peggy Carter, who we saw she has the shield in What If, Captain Mm -hmm. Marvel, Maria Rambo. So this is a a world where she was the one that got the powers, and it wasn't, in fact, uh, Carol Danvers. This Mm -hmm. uh, We have Black Bolt, who is the leader of the Inhumans. Mm-hmm. We have Reed Richards, Elastic Mr. Fantastic, played by John Krasinski. We've got mm-hmm. Professor X, Professor Xavier, Charles Xavier, the X-Men. So this is the the group of people that were introduced along with Mordo, and Doctor Strange has to go stand before them to sort of uh, to, to be judged here. Mm-hmm. And we find out, TK, so first— I mean, really cool to to see yeah. all of these different characters in one. And we find out oh, that yeah. they don't have a Doctor Strange in their multiverse anymore because they've actually had to kill Doctor Strange. He he was yeah. a rogue. He went a little rogue. Yeah, and um, w- that's news to us because we find out that he's dead at first just because there's like that statue that he um, died defending or saving the world from from Thanos. Uh, so they have made him into this kind of a martyr in this in this universe, um, and uh, a hero for for their cause. Like even Dent, though, right? And Batman, yeah, yeah. They've did. Oh, great, great! That's a that's an excellent example. Yeah, um, and I, I I really enjoyed this. This was one of the standout things for the uh, of this movie for me. Um, like like I said, we were all looking forward to some cameos that, on some level. Like we we knew this was coming, and we wanted them to be good ones. Fantastic Four felt almost mandatory. Uh, so when it happened, uh, it was almost like a relief. Uh, the Inhumans, uh, I thought the Black Bolt one was really cool. They Again, they're doing rehab to maybe some of their misfires. Inhumans was a big failure when it happened. Uh, but they brought back the original you know, cast member, Anson Mount, to, to play this version of black bolt in this universe and i thought it was really well done that death that you described before is burned into my brain i know um and then um you you mentioned how they're all leaders too that's something i strangely i didn't think too deeply into but you're you're right there that's exactly what it is they're leaders of their own separate factions that kind of come together to be a super faction um but so Captain Marvel in this universe, she's what the leader of? Would you say the Defenders or no, no? Who would that be? I'm not sure. That was the yeah. one that was a question mark. For no, me. you're right. Me too. Me too. Cap- that's the Captain one where... Carter would be Avengers, right? Yeah. So I guess and... she is it the scroll? The scroll? You know, I don't. I don't know. You know, like what? What? Like who is she? Like report back to? But I feel like there's going to be an answer to that, though. Like yeah. there is going to be a team up movie or franchise We're get or a something. Secret Wars coming soon, right? Because that the Secret right. Wars and Secret Invasion, like, and I think this is where we're going to get a lot of this. But it, th- I think 
one of the gri- one of the gripes that people had about this mm-hmm. movie was that it maybe had you ask more questions than than ha- than mm-hmm. questions that it answered. But I don't mind that actually. No, like, I, I, me I don't at all. Like I, I and I think it sort of depends on on your level of fandom for Marvel and MCU, right? Like if you want to watch a movie for just like a self contained soul movie, then that's fine. Mm-hmm. We're obviously very hardcore fans, so we're excited about where things are going to come. But I think one thing that we do try to do is that we try to talk about how things do have to be either they have to be self-contained stories in movies and shows, and and they have to be yeah. able to to do that also. So I don't think you and I are people who are just sort of along for the ride and anything that's thrown at mm-hmm. us. There's a you got to dance that dance very carefully though to be able to do both. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and the MCU does a good job, I think, of of juggling that, you know, raising new questions, opening up new doors and then, you know, closing loops, uh, you know, giving finality or conclusions to the stories that they have been doing o- over time. Uh, Endgame, a great example of that. That was this big, epic sweeping conclusion of over, you know, about 10 years worth of movies being made. Um and yeah, it's a uh, Marvel is just very, very savvy about how they do that. Again, it's it's one of those things where the the massive you know machine of it all can be a little bit unwieldy, of course. Uh, but they, in every story, have to succeed on those two levels: on that level of like the story that we're telling today, and the overarching universe that we're building, and the story that that embodies and or, or stories you, you you could say and they all have to fit together so that's a very unique challenge so as uh professor xavier comes in and they're all sort of introduced one at a time when he comes in they're playing the x-men animated yes. theme from like the 90s cartoon yeah he's, he's got the floating it, chair yellow the yellow very yeah, much yeah inspired by that so and we're gonna tell. get that series we're gonna mm-hmm. get that series on disney plus too so that's yep got to be intentional they're 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 drawing us into to that world and um and hey, they're kind of making it canon. a little bit too right so it's gonna if, right. if what if can be canon why can't that be you know canon also i think it will be i mean with yeah. the multiverse they've made the the raimi spider-man movies canon Absolutely. it's not the mcu anymore it's the no. mcm it's right. the mcm i mean there's the mcu exists within the mcm the mcu is essentially 616 now uh it's the mcm this is the the multiverse you're the right. Marvel multiverse. Yes. So you're right. Like everything is on the table now. Mm-hmm. One thing we we find out about in this movie and we learn about is dream walking. And that's when you mm-hmm. can project your consciousness into one's alternate self. So I think the guy on um heavy spoilers said it in a way that I liked most. You're puppeting a version of oneself. Right. And yeah. and that's what we see Wanda do here. So while while in in this eight three eight Earth, we have the Illuminati trying to figure out what they're going to do with this version of Doctor Strange. Because as Tim said, mm-hmm. their version of Doctor Strange was a guy who who went rogue. You know, he went off mm-hmm. on their own. He found the Book of Ashanti. He, you know, and they had to end up killing him. Uh, yeah. He had it. He he he. You know, confessed. That he had caused a major incursion. That's another term that we're hearing now. It's when universes collide. So this is a term that I think is going to be very important moving forward. Yeah. It's something that Mr. Yeah. Fantastic talks about. It's something that is referenced a lot here moving forward um, in the post-credit scene. 
We hear yeah. uh, the sorceress talk about an incursion in her reality. Mm-hmm. So that that's I think a big new term to uh, to get familiar with moving forward. And they're planting seeds. I think that's going to be a Secret Wars thing, right? I yes. mean, that's this is this is universes colliding. Is this how we're going to get X Men just kind of blended into the world? Are we going to have essentially the X the X Men universe uh, combined the Fox X Men universe, and then we're going to end up maybe with one universe after that after they you know have this incursion and, and I I don't know what is in store, but they could really go a lot of ways with this and use it to consolidate their properties maybe even i think likely even reset some of their characters in a way that kind of works um moving forward so that they can start over start a new retell stories in a new way hopefully not <laughs> recycle stories but uh, you know rebirth them so this this was that moment this was one of the moments that stood with me uh, the most in the movie when mm-hmm. wanda dreamwalks into her Earth version So the version that yeah. was on Earth 838 Where Strange and America are So this yeah. is the version of Wanda that has the boys She has a family Vision is not around But she is a mother with the children And yeah. you see and she has moment. powers too, right? Yeah. I think she yeah. has powers she has she's, power. We see that later, mm-hmm. which I thought she was has- cool Like, So she's got powers in every universe Or at least this one So our Wanda, our evil Scarlet Witch Wanda she goes right into the body of this Wanda. Yeah. And there's this moment when, like, y- you've kind of seen similar moments in other movies. I can't really think of, like, when someone, like, takes over a body. And then there's mm-hmm. this moment where you kind of feel like you can see them become the person that's in control. And, like, mm-hmm. you see Wanda take control. And then she looks right at the camera. And she breaks Love the fourth that. wall. Yes, that's the moment. It was. Uh, she just, like, looks right into your eyes. Like, in, oh, hey, in the I'm, theater? That was so, it's so great. I saw it IMAX, like it, she's towering over it and she just looks like she's almost poking her face through the screen to, like, to just look right into your eyes. I it's love that good. moment. It is good. It was yeah. one of my, like, must make sure to mention this parts throughout all my notes. I have it like yeah. a big bold, like, because it was one of my favorite points. Now, I think I mistakenly said earlier that Sarah Wolf had been uh, had been killed. She was not killed quite yet because she serves a, oh, a right. purpose here. She actually destroys the Darkhold And Wanda is furious She kills her in retaliation She burns her Well I I think If I'm I'm not mistaken Actually I think the Darkhold burns her I think when she destroys it Because she's Wong's wants to do it And and she's like no it can't be you And I think just the energy It's kind of like It's the snap all over again You know you can't You can't just Stain that kind of like energy, you know, up, up yep. close. So she just burns and incinerates, and the way her face turns to embers, and then a, one single tear rolls down. Just a beautiful sacrifice there, and uh, really, really hit home. It was for a character that wasn't around for a whole lot. Yeah, felt felt yeah. very important here with uh yeah. with Sarah, and I I'm sure we'll get more because there there's something there's a there's a relationship with Sarah and Wong. That they can, yeah. that they're gonna get the I comics. Think, I think, yeah, yeah. So we'll, we'll yeah. I'm sure in some pre pre show or in, in shows that go mm-hmm. prior to this, we'll probably end up seeing that at some point. That'd be and cool. uh, yeah, she threat Wanda threatens to kill all the other sorcerers if Wong does not give her another method to dreamwalk. So she's mm-hmm. basically got Wong held hostage here, 
That's when he lets her know that the book of Vashanti was merely a copy, that the original Mm -hmm. writings of the book are actually transcribed inside a mountain on Mount Wondegore, this big castle. That's where the Dark Hold was first created, first transcribed. So Wanda then uses, Wanda gets to the, uh, this Mount Wondegore and she's able to use her powers and the powers of this castle to go back into that Earth 838 self. And mm-hmm. then she goes into the Illuminati headquarters. So that's when yeah. everything really happens that we talked about. And she just pings these people off one <laughs> at a time. I mean, she removes Black Bolt's mouth and then he blasts out his own brain when he speaks. She yeah. cuts up Mr. Fantastic and then just pops his skull. She she yeah. slices Captain Carter in half. The shield Oof, just with gashes. her own shield. And you yeah. see her like in the distance just kind of fall in two. It's like, oh yeah. my gosh. This is a PG 13 movie. And then <laughs> you get uh, a Captain Marvel. She throws a statue on top of her, which was very like yeah. force, you know, Star Wars yeah. throwing something on top. And then the Professor X part where Professor mm. X, he gets inside her head. He wants to help yeah. her. Like we've seen him do with, with Gene and, and, Trouble tormented souls through the years, and he yeah. gives and he's her. Trying the, to, he's trying to help the version of her that's trapped inside her own head now. Yeah, the rightful Wanda from that. So she's like kind of buried inside her inside the mind there, and that rubble, which calls back obviously to to Wanda Vision and uh, her backstory as a as a child with being in like a war zone, right? Sokovia. Yeah, watching that Stark missile. Yeah. there and so. We get the I will say the line got me, the Professor Xavier line. I, I, mm. I popped for when he said to Wanda, just because someone stumbles and loses their way, it doesn't mean they're lost forever. Mm. And that's a Professor Xavier line that he said to many different people. In fact, he says it to himself, like the younger version of himself, I think in right. Days of Future Past. Days also. of Future Past. Yeah. Um so I, that that line got me. I, I really liked it quite a bit. As Wanda is about to do away with Mister Fantastic, Reed Richards, she has this moment where she asks him. He mentions his family, which is kind of cool because we. It's a little bit of a tease. I'd imagine we're going to mm-hmm. see his family show up at some point. If you think about who John Krasinski is married to, many people have already mm-hmm. cast Emily Blunt in the MCU. Yeah. So uh, she'll yeah, she'll start. Yeah, so she'll Let's probably go. be popping up if she uh, if she has uh, the uh, the schedule that will allow it. And if if Krasinski ends up as the director, which might be in the cards right now, right? he's a fantastic he's a, directing career. And John Watts just dropped out of Fantastic Four. Maybe John Watts was never going to direct Fantastic Four, and that was he was a placeholder guy that like they were because they already had him for uh, another movie. I think he's doing Star Wars or something else with Disney. Uh, but you know, maybe they were thinking we're going to get. Krasinski to direct this and that's already been in the pipeline for a while yeah. uh, I'm just making assumptions here but I want I really wonder yeah I'm I'm hoping <laughs> Wanda asks him and now she's full like she's full on Scarlet Witch she's full on in the Scarlet Witch costume mm-hmm. in the outfit you could see there are all sorts of really cool details around her heart where it's sort of like it almost looks like it's been broken and it's like 
Things are like mm. really like splintering from there And she simply asks Reed Richards about his Family and his kids and if Sort of like well they have a mother To raise them right and It's just this really sad Oh yeah like dark <laughs> Kind of like ooh Moment you know right before she kills Him yeah. and you just, you Feel her grief and you feel how This whole movie is about her Wanting to get back to wanting to reunite with her kids, wanting to fill the empty void that that she has there. Yeah, as, uh, but it's just so deranged at the, at this point. Like you can't yeah. justify that. Like no. that's why the dark hold is so important. Uh, as just like a narrative device here, because there needs to be a reason that she's so. She's a hero. She shouldn't be doing this stuff. There, there. She has to be under the influence. So that uh, it's an important narrative device for sure. We see uh, what is called the Sands of Nisanti. There's a little spell that present that prevents the use of magic for just a few minutes. Something that they try, but it is um, has a has a shelf life with someone with the power of uh, of Wanda. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what was used on Strange too to put mm-hmm. him to sleep. To put him to sleep. So that was what yeah. they were able to get the power of. That's uh, something. So we're hearing all these, you know, and we're getting these new terms and some of these new things introduced. Just things that we may what? see. Pop back when up you here say, and there. <laughs> just you mentioned that whenever you say uh, "Book of Vishanti," I j- I just think of Ashanti. Ashanti. I just think of, What's love? What's love? Got, got to, to do, do with it. it. Got to do show. with it. <laughs> every <laughs> time. Every time. I know. And then we were like, that was at least for me. That's like freshman year of high school. Yeah, yeah. So that was like one of those songs that was at like every dance, or like you'd go to someone's yeah. house party, and that song would be playing like over and over. <laughs> well, I'm rolling the club with my hat down, Michael Jack style, <laughs> Hot Seven, Who the Mac? Now I remember just going at it. Love so, it. Uh, the book of Ashanti, baby, Ashanti <laughs> here. And yeah. um, so now Christine Palmer has been able to free America Chavez as. You know the Illuminati and, and Wanda were sort of fighting off, and that, that's what Wanda wants. Mm-hmm. She wants to get to America. She wants to try to get the uh, Wanda's powers. Uh, Wanda needs to get to America's powers to to be able to hop through the uh, the dimensions. Mm-hmm. We actually see Wanda follow Strange, Christine, and America through the the Gap Junction. So we're seeing mm-hmm. Wanda now following. And Strange is out able to actually get that that book of Ashanti mm-hmm. quickly. Then Wanda just des- <laughs> like destroys it. She yeah. she's so incredibly powerful, and I think that's one thing they continue to hit you over the head with in this movie is like just how powerful Wanda really is because she can yeah. takes control of America, and she's able to send Doctor Strange and Christine into another universe. So now she Wanda has America Chavez back on mm-hmm. Earth. 616 our dimension She leaves her other self Back in Westview And Wanda's preparing this ritual To try to take the powers away From America So mm-hmm. at this point Strange and Christine are in some trouble Wanda really looks like She's about to uh, About to get the job done About to take all of those powers from America yeah, yeah. I thought um, an interesting thing here, I kind of mentioned it before, was that like when Wanda leaves that the body that she's um, possessing, like that Wanda is just stuck in the in the middle of um, what's that area again called? You you just mentioned it. 
the gap the, the area with the the gap junction. Yes, she's stuck in the gap junction, but then she uses her powers to fly out. So that was the, that was what I used before to kind of deduce that she definitely had her powers in this universe, and I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, but uh, yeah, amazing that Wanda is this powerful. Like you said, they're kind of beating you over the head with it, but it's it's true. She's I think the most powerful uh, magic wielder in in the MCU. Uh, I think the only way that Doctor Strange can kind of compete with her is that he's also immensely powerful, but a little bit more um, uh, schooled in his uh, in his training uh, so that he has a little bit more skills to, to draw from um, uh, where she's just a little bit more natural and she's a little more more green with her witch powers. Uh, but her potential is, I think, vastly stronger than anybody. Um, and uh I think that's a really cool character to, to have there. You have a, a, a character introduced that's kind of a, uh, a wild card that could go either way, that could be evil or, or good, but it's also like the most powerful being in the universe. Like you can do a lot with that. And um, there's also a lot of parallels to, to Phoenix and Jean Grey there. And mm-hmm. Arguable, like maybe which, which of those two are, are the real most powerful. I'd like to see that maybe explored in a future movie. Oh, yeah. That would, that would be a, a hell of a lot of fun. Imagine so, them facing off. Yeah. <laughs> I can see it. Yeah, I can definitely see it right now. We we find Strange and Christine in a different dimension that has already been destroyed by an incursion. And, and this looks like a wasteland where they are. So they feel like the best way to try to get out of this place is to, to go find the other their, – their, that version of Doctor Strange. So they head to the Sanctum in New York And they find a very evil Version of Doctor Strange Who has already been corrupted by the Darkhold And he's got a third (laughs) eye What's really scary about This location is If you look at the Sanctum Where Doctor Strange is Outside Mm -hmm. of it there are just Skeletons, bones, and skulls Mm. Of people Who you sort of put Two and two together in your head They all these people were coming to the sanctum to the sanctum to try to ask for help for doctor from Doctor Strange, mm. and he just left them all outside to die. Like, all and it's just bones and skulls and bodies of people mm. who like came there searching for help, finding trying to find sanctum, right? Trying to find sanctuary, right. and he just nope, nope, turned them away as he has or, been or worse. Yeah. Or worse, perhaps some of those people were coming to himself. stop him. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe yeah. those people are coming to stop him and he he's the cause of all this. Yeah. But we, we definitely know that this isn't uh it's a bad you know, spoiler dude. alert. It's this isn't a good version of Doctor Strange. Yeah, we no. find that out pretty soon. Bad dude here. This is an evil dude, sinister you know strange. What it is? It's it's a lot like that Doctor Deranged uh ca- yes. character. To me, I, I took it as almost this is the same version that we saw in multiverse or sorry, in um uh, what if? Yep. Uh, maybe not the exact same, but very close. A, a parallel that was very close to that version. Purple yeah. sorcery all over the the Doctor Strange in in this mm-hmm. dimension in this multiverse. Mm-hmm. One thing that comes in very handy for Doctor Strange is the watch that was given to him by Christine. Yeah, it's something that's sort of uh, one of those absolute points. It's something that happens right. in every universe. And this is something that he actually uses to open a waypoint here. Yeah. So, uh, seeing this 
evil Doctor Strange and and this is when the the music fight that you talked about yes. happened the battle where they're like using musical notes and it's like visually yeah. just something that you I could have never thought about like I don't know yeah. how somebody even had the idea to do that but wow mm. it was cool and unique and like fresh cartoons man it, it, again it's that Raimi's sense of like putting yeah, a cartoon right. in live action uh, you see that type of stuff in cartoons all the time. You almost take it for granted, and it's so imaginative. And that's one of the things that cartoons can do so well, animation can do so well, uh, that live action uh, uh, can't. Uh, and I say that uh, because here the, it essentially is a cartoon. Um, I know we're shooting it live. They're shooting it live action uh, with the characters, but a lot of what we're seeing on screen is animated for sure. So they're using that ability and stretching it to the fullest and this was a great inventive original thing that maybe we have seen this actually in a cartoon before i would i wouldn't put it past them that they maybe drew this from some other place yeah but regardless it was so well well done uh and it felt very original i hadn't seen it before and again it's like i don't just want to see ma- magic uh shown to me on screen as people you know pointing their hands or fingers or a wand at each other and then shooting electricity or or laser bolts or whatever, you know, stuff that we've seen a million times before. This was fresh. This was like using the imagination and, and the, you know, the lack of limits in, in our imaginations and, and, and making that real. And a multiverse movie, multiverse of madness, we need that. We need a little bit of madness. We need a little bit of out of the ordinary. This is a Doctor Strange movie. We need, we need strange and we need madness in this movie. And they gave it to us. I, I feel like they should have given us a little more. More of this stuff would have been great, but what we got was really, really cool. So Christine now helps Doctor Strange. He he kills his evil doc, the evil version of Doctor Strange in this dimension after the the music battle, and now he dream walks into Defender Strange's corpse, which is right. it's just funny. He's got this corpse back on on Earth, which we see early in the movie. Where he he buries it and he kind of makes yeah. a joke about like I've done worse, you know, and yeah. <laughs> or you know, and and now he has to go retrieve this corpse, this dead body, and he has to put his life in, into this body. This yep. is very right out of what if. I mean, this is exactly yeah. the type zombies. of stuff. The, the, yeah. <laughs> this is zombie strange. We're gonna get a zombie mm-hmm. Wanda kind of coming up here mm-hmm. too. So I mean, Raimi just leading into the horror, the zombies, the slashing, the murder. We get the crazy yeah. Wanda soaked in blood coming up here in Great just visual. a moment. Yeah. Oh my That's god! Carrie. Carrie you mentioned Carrie right there. Yeah. yeah. So Doctor Strange goes to Mount Wondagore, and there's mm-hmm. the spirits of the damned all over. And they are attacking Strange and all these universes and, and Wanda sort of controlling them. But but Christine Palmer is able to help and she they protect Strange. They kind of he he binds them all into the cloak and mm-hmm. Wong is able to help as they try to fight off Wanda, but they they really don't have enough power. I mean, Wanda is is incredible. They they every time they feel like they're going to be able to sort of corner her, get the better of her, she's mm. just too smart, too powerful, and has a little bit too much going on. Yeah, yeah, it, it's really coming to a head at this point. And 
I feel I feel like we skipped something too, though. You yeah, know what? So- uh, did we did we point out that when she arrived in that building, um, it was kind of revealed that it was a throne for her, right? So she's like right, ascended yep. to this like even higher level of power. Like she's really at this point come into her own as you know she called herself the Scarlet Witch before, but like now she and we believe it this is like foretold like she's etched in stone on these walls like her image and stuff so like this is the power of this some place. destiny yes yeah. this this is a place that she had was always supposed to go it's like the power yeah. of this place has given her heightened abilities and yeah has she's at like, her highest form yeah completely up and she like she is in control of the spirits of the demons of the the damned mm-hmm. and she is she, yeah she raises those like um, I don't know like, what they're what I would call them, but they're like souls almost, like, almost. Yeah. But what's that? Yes, those souls. And then there's also well, actually, I think there's some souls that are unrelated to her, right? That that just mm-hmm. attack Strange first when he when he's um Yeah, those are the walking the um the from the damned from the dark hole, mm-hmm. the damned inhabiting the dark hole. So the spirits from the dark hole right. that, that that the book has probably um engulfed. Through the through the years, right? People that that the book has sort of taken taken over because of its power, and right. yeah. So th- there are some things that are a little bit like convoluted, and some ideas that we, you know, I may be a little bit kind of off on, but it's visually awesome stuff. Great yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's all coming. I, there's a lot going com- on here. Yeah, yeah. And, and so if we're off on a little like tidbit here or there, but incredible stuff and we're going to continue to dive back into this and scratch the surface of a mm. lot a lot more of this in future movies future shows yeah. so we're kind of down to like our our final act now where mm-hmm. doctor strange is with america and they're mm-hmm. trying to sort of really really enhance her powers right they're trying to find that like figure out what re- she really can do what they need to do yeah. And it's at this moment where they are able to send Wanda back to Earth 838. Yeah. This is in a, a very specific spot. <laughs> yep. 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 And so what ends up happening, this was a great idea by America yeah. and by Doctor Strange, is that they say, hey, Wanda wants her kids, right? This that's what we're gonna give her. We're gonna put Wanda right back in the situation and we are gonna show the kids this evil version of Wanda. Yeah. To where they would never want her. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what they do. They show the Billy and Tommy this evil version of Wanda. She is transported right back into the living room there with them. And they reject her. They're terrified of her as anyone would be. Yeah. She she's terrifying. What's great is like I um, you know, like little tidbits of things that that are like on. I think in the background is Snow White on the TV. You know, they have, which was like the first Disney animated really big movie ever. And then obviously all the stuff with the evil witch. So just so many cool little tidbits like that. And and now I thought this was one of the more powerful parts of the movie where the the 838 Wanda, the Wanda who Mm -hmm. is the actual mother of these kids. Yeah. She sees the amount of grief that that the Scarlet Witch has been through. And she she comforts her. She yeah. like she lets her know that hey, don't worry. They're always gonna have a mother, and they're always gonna be taken care of. 
Yeah. And that's sort of like all Wanda needed to hear in a weird way. Yeah. It breaks like her. All, this whole, this all, yeah, it just breaks her down. Yeah. But it was it's a it's a beautiful moment, you know, to mm-hmm. see like the Elizabeth the two Wandas and Elizabeth Olsen sort of sharing with herself like it's gonna be okay. Look, mm-hmm. it's gonna be okay. And you know, it's a small, it's a small little thing, but it, it gets me. I think it just shows you how how good of an actress Elizabeth Olsen is. And it's a it's a great moment. Yeah. I thought when when the kids sort of and then and the and their family and Wanda come together, they sort of realize, okay, we're okay. The witch isn't gonna get us. The witch is mm. she's gonna be moving on. I, I liked it. It's not a lot, it's not long, but there's this 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 power in that moment. Yeah, it felt like it needed to happen. It felt very natural that, oh, yeah, if if America can control her powers, that's the move. That's the move. Yeah, give her what she wants. Show her – show the kids uh, who she really is, and then she'll, she'll you know, realize that <laughs> they she can't have what she wants. You know, give her what she wants, and she'll realize that she can't have it. Um, and it's a great moment there, too, also for, you know, America Chavez – uh, having her arc as a character in this in this film of realizing her powers and understanding and you know coming into her own power uh, there by by believing in herself and it's strange who uh, gives her that um, that confidence and essentially that the pep talk at just the right moment and I love that that moment happens with zombie strange <laughs> like it's yeah. it's a his jaws like half falling off when he's like telling her to believe in herself or whatever like, and it's just. It's Somebody silly, said, but yeah. Which I can't, um, I can't remember where, but I saw it somewhere. They said he looks like the dude from Hocus Pocus, you know, <laughs> like Billy, like the Billy zombie guy that's running around. Yeah. Rah, 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 you're, I hate you. He, you know, he reminded yes. me of D'Onofrio in Men in Black. There we go. <laughs> like what, there we go. I have to the way yeah. he sounded a little bit and like twisted yeah. face. Um, <laughs> I love to also. Um, the imagery, the, the the visual of that version of Strange, where he's he's dream walking with him, and he's got multiple arms. It's kind of almost like this this Hindu uh, god image of, of him, and mm-hmm. uh, it, it it gives the impression that Strange is also leveling up. You know, this is he's he's gaining you know additional power through this through these experiences, and the Strange at the end of the movie, as we see in a very literal sense, is not the same Strange. Uh, that we start the That's movie amazing. with, he has yeah. he has literally grown, and I by the end of the movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah. So Wanda realizes what she's done. She sacrifices herself. She destroys the castle and uh, the copies of the Darkhold. Every copy of the Darkhold within the multiverse. But I don't think Wanda's gone. Right? No, I can't. Imagine. No body, no no death. Yeah, right. It crumbles all around her, but like. Yeah, she's coming back. So maybe yeah. the Scarlet Witch is dead as we know her. But we know there's uh, other versions of Wanda, like 838 Wanda with some powers in a world where there's mutants. You know? Yeah, that's a good point. That's a really good point. We've already been introduced to her. And yeah, there's mutants there. So that could be a Wanda that's dad is freaking Magneto. Mm-hmm. That's the world where Wanda has to whisper the words, let's no more mutants. Oh, yeah, you know? let's go. Like that so. could totally work. Maybe this Wanda is really dead. But yeah. well, we're going to get a new Wanda. Now, does that undo the story uh, that we did? We, we kind of touched on that earlier. In this case, I would say no. I no. think there's more a story. Wanda. Yeah. Tell. It's a different Wanda. And it was, they wove 
that Wanda into the fabric of the story of this, you know, the original Wanda. She, so we're already experienced the other Wanda, right? So it's not as if we're like we're we're yeah. putting her in place of that that Wanda eight three eight Wanda. She's sort of shaped by some of the experiences that she had yeah. in dealing with the Scarlet Witch, you know. Yeah. So so they, um, they have got they have options, a lot of good options. Now we uh, we head back to Calmer Taj and. Uh, uh, before we do, Doctor Strange and Palmer have their their moment. I gotta say, in the first, I thought they had like m- even more of a connection in this movie. I kind of felt mm. it more. Like the most I ever felt with them two was in some uh-huh. of these scenes. I didn't know if I felt yeah. their their connection in some of in like the first Doctor Strange quite as much. Of like, mm-hmm. and, and maybe that's a thing sometimes with the actors or what. Not that they didn't play well, but sometimes you just don't have chemistry with someone all that much, or like yeah. it's just not. I kind of felt it a little bit more in this movie towards the end. I don't know if that was just not having seen it for a while and Christine coming mm-hmm. back, but I thought that th- this it was a good moment at the end where he talks about yeah. how he's always loved her, but he was too insecure about committing a real relationship. And yeah. it's sad, but he gets a little bit of closure there, right? You know, he, like he gets to at least say what he's always wanted to say. Yeah, which is great, and I I I kind of agree with what you were saying there um, about. There was more chemistry. There was a little bit more, you know, substance there between them and this one. And I I wonder if that just has to do with that we've spent a little more time with these characters and versions of them and Mm -hmm. have kind of just – Well, Doctor Strange right now, he gets Doctor mm -hmm. Strange, right? Like he – this is him now, and and he's been this character way more than in 2016 at that point. Right. That's, that's, that's true. So we've just gone on these journeys with these characters and we've we've felt the importance also of that relationship after seeing what if and seeing that relationship. And that one episode told like 10 different times. I don't know. I lost count. But like over and over and over again. And, and it's just beating us over the head, I guess, with this idea that they're so uh, their their destiny there. There's like this true love that transcends uh universes i think just over time it's been become more meaningful uh just that time that we've spent with them and the little journeys that we've seen and the importance that has been imbued on their relationships that when we finally do get the closure in this movie um it just has it has weight to it that couldn't be done in, in maybe this in the span of one film and that's again one of the things that the mcu and this longer form storytelling can do that maybe you know standalone films can't do so that you know we talk about some of the downsides that's definitely one of the upsides of, of this format they're back in uh, rebuilding the camertage in america chavez is training struggling a little bit doesn't seem like she's yeah. uh she's doing all that well or it's like anything you it's it's tough we remember how it was for dr strange it's not easy mm-hmm. there yeah uh, i like Dr. how she says that multiverse magic is like easier for her than than yeah. like <laughs> Whatever you call monoverse magic yeah. I don't know what you would call it So uh, a cool introduction to America A character that we're going to uh, see a lot more of In the MCU Doctor yeah. Strange heads back to New York Fixes the watch from Christine And as he takes a walk Seemingly everything is normal But Doctor Strange collapses He cries out He's in pain It's the third eye He has yeah. been impacted from the dark hold, from the dream walking, yeah. from everything that has happened to him, yeah. he he there he is evil also. And mm. the movie ends. We get a mid credit scene 
where Doctor mm-hmm. Strange is approached by a sorceress. And Clea. it's Clea, played by Charlize Theron, who's, I mean, honestly, I, I was thinking the other day about, like, she's, like, as perfect of a woman on that list as possible. Yeah. Like, she's on the short yeah. list of, like, perfect how she's, like, thought of, her image, what she looks like, her mm-hmm. just, like, everything about her. I don't, I can't remember ever hearing, like, a bad word about her or someone saying no, a she's, negative thing. she's incredible. She's just, incredible um, and uh, a very unique, like, level of... Of actress, I think there, there's yes. there's not a whole lot of actresses that are have her kind of star power that are like a set like a supermodel level beauty, but also like can do roles like monster uh, that are get Academy Award attention uh, roles like. But you'd also Fury like Road, hear what Furiosa. she had to say, right? Like she. Oh did, yeah, yeah. I remember a few years ago she was like um, when the World Cup, she was like an ambassador, mm-hmm. you know, and and like. Like speaking on behalf of uh, her, con- you know, she's right. her country, and she's, she's like, polit- yeah, she's just so like everything. She yeah. checks like all the boxes. She's so talented. She's so smart. She's so beautiful. She comes off very like genuine, and she she basically tells Doctor Strange that he has caused an incursion in her dimension, which is the dark dimension. So she needs mm-hmm. his help to fix it. She opens a portal into the dark dimension, and off they go. And the portal, like, let's talk about the visual language of this portal, because we've seen three different distinct uh, portal types. We've seen introduced in Doctor Strange, the original, was the the spinning sparks version. We see that pop up again in, like, Endgame and stuff like that, and it carries on in many, many uh Films they've adopted that visual language And I think that's what it looks like when you're Traveling through a portal within the same universe Then you've got America Chavez Who's got that star uh, Which I thought was a really cool Way to do it, it's very much out of the comics But visually on screen it looks Really cool, the, the just sharp edges Of the star like cutting through and well, As a portal, very cool But in this case We see her basically take I'm not sure what the instrument is if, Or if it's just her hand or whatever, but she just cuts like fabric into the air and it just like peels back the the universe i thought that that was a really interesting approach to that uh and it's something we haven't seen quite yet before this is a a new angle on on that sort of thing within this world so the final credit scene everybody was Mm. waiting along to see what happens and it's that cursed man with the hand punching himself, but it's sort of like a troll job Pizza where he looks and yeah. tells you it's over, you know, and thanks for waiting. But it's a little yeah. bit silly, but they had some fun with it there. So nothing. I think it got equal equal parts groans and laughs at my at my screening. Me too. Um, Me too. I really liked it. I Me liked too. it better than the first of I actually thought that the Clea one was a little bit clunky and kind of undid the cool ending with the third eye i felt like mm-hmm. it just like the, the the ending with the third eye he's walking on the street and it feels like this final this conclusion moment and then it, uh, uh, there's this big twist and the, the shock of the eye and this body horror moment and then we're we're out of there and it that there's a lot of impact to that and then the first one with clea it just felt like an insert and it felt like a repeat too, because all of a sudden he's walking on the street again. It's the same well, thing. It felt like it, like it might have almost... happened before the thing happened. Right. The eye. Like it was right. like. Except well, the eye he was is showing. out on the floor right now, and now he's just back to normal with Clea. I, I agree. Yeah, it it was very odd and clunky. And then what Clea does to me felt a little clunky. Even her look, to be honest, I wasn't 
crazy about it. It felt like TV or like cosplay level uh, costuming and makeup. Um, that's just me. And even like, though I mentioned that the visual language of, you know, tearing it open uh, is inventive and, and I thought was cool. I thought that the delivery of it maybe was a little bit lacking. It felt a little bit like I was watching a CG special effect as, as opposed to like, this is happening in front of me. Um, that said, yeah, I, I was, I was kind of relieved in a way to get the pizza papa at the end, which to me, was just like a pure filmmaking moment. You know, it was, a, it was just um, like, move, that's movie magic right there. Like it was meta. It was a callback. It was a, a nice gag. It kind of reminded me of the Avengers uh, post-credit sequence. That was just, just a gag really, but it was grounded in the, in the world that we had just seen. Uh, you know the shawarma scene I'm 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 referring to mm-hmm. from uh, the first Avengers movie. It was just just there for a, a little laugh at the end. Didn't have any you know world building or like teases inserted into that. Uh, it was just there for the enjoyment of it, and I, I really liked that. And obviously, the Sam Raimi reference of it all, and more Bruce Campbell is is always a good thing. <laughs> I think we got. Was it perfect? No. But we got a right. cool movie here, man. This we was did. a horror movie. This was different. This was unique. We got the most graphic, gruesome stuff that we've ever seen in the MCU. They, they let Raimi be Raimi. We got scary stuff. We got we got to feel his presence, the zombies, the horror, the slashing, the murder, mm-hmm. the crazy camera work, Wanda soaked in blood, all the different the editing. obvious references yeah. and lean-ins to other horror movies and tropes. And genres and um, You know Elizabeth Olsen was incredible She's Mm -hmm. always teetering between This like villain and hero You know which is I guess I I really enjoyed it Not perfect We had plenty of gripes throughout Little critiques here and there But whenever they take chances I'm going to be willing to give them more, More of leeway Right when you're taking a big swing It sometimes you're going to miss or sometimes Things aren't going to connect but Mm -hmm. You have to take big swings Otherwise yeah What are we here for right you 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 can't play it safe anymore with We're in phase four moving into phase Five of this stuff right you 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 Some of these have to be different Unique and While not everything Is hit on Disney plus Loki Mm -hmm. Was a big swing which I like Yeah right that was completely different we felt like, um, you know, Moon Knight was totally different. Yeah, that's a swing, yeah. like way. Off. And this was so. Whether or not you like some of these things or you don't, I think yeah. I hope at least you appreciate the fact that they're trying some different things here. And they they took the handcuffs off and they said, "Hey, Sam Raimi, you get to be Sam Raimi." You know, some negatives mm-hmm. didn't did it answer a whole lot of questions? No, but it did the opposite. It opened up all these yeah. possibilities. And and then the other main gripe that I heard is one that we hit on. What made mm-hmm. Wanda change so much from the end of WandaVision when she seemed to accept right. everything? But they did point out how powerful the dark hold is, and, yeah. and that easy answer, right? Like <laughs> they gave us an answer. If you don't like yeah. the answer, or if it's not enough for you, that's different. But they gave you right. an answer. It wasn't as if they didn't, and you have to make one right. up. So narratively, it, uh, in terms of like logic, there's no plot hole there. No. Uh, philosophically, you could say that it was a redundant story journey for us as the reader to make, or sorry, or as the audience to 
to go through. You could maybe make that um, that critique that we'd kind of seen this already before, and that's maybe a that's reason fair. they shouldn't have wrote it that way. Yep. Uh, but that, but you can't critique it for being like a plot hole or anything like that because it's it's sound narratively in terms of just the, the logic of it all, um, at least in my opinion. So. The one final question that I will ask before we uh, we finish up and then get some uh, some final thoughts from you, TK. Where is Vision? Yes, I, I had that thought. I wanted to bring that up. Um, yeah, that's another thing. Any... Is like, is this because of the reverse release order and the planning there? I mean, maybe that's that's just a byproduct of that. Yeah, that I had to shuffle the order. Yeah, because vi- it makes no sense that we don't see Vision, even in an, an appearance, even in a flashback. Yeah, right? like well, we're not getting. It... Vision part of her What she wants I know she wants her kids But isn't well, and, and Vision the white, also the vision, vision That she's having of her, of her Perfect life wouldn't she Wouldn't she be going to the universe that had Vision And which the kids is, so she could have it all Interesting it's a multiverse. that there's no dad there Right like we don't ever right. see in that Universe with Wanda and the boys in the 838 we never see a father We It's never brought up about The kids how they were created how they Came to be and there's not even like Vision in pictures and stuff Imagine you know? how cool it would have been And shocking if when she Went to the to Take over Wanda in the first place If the vision in that world tried to Stop her and she killed that vision Right in addition to her, her Taking out the Illuminati I feel like That would maybe even have more weight to it she's already she Killed him before and it's like the biggest pain One of the biggest pains in her life For her to do it again but like be Motivated to do it uh, because of Her kids that would be such this twisted Crazy moment and revealing of of how far she's come, she but goes you know, to missed see opportunity. Him. She goes there yeah. and she sees him in the house with them, and they're like the happy family. And yeah. and he he can sense, you know, he like he said, he tries to stop sure. her, and she kills him yeah. before she just blasts him like she did with the Fantastic Four. Instantly, yeah, even right? just, even something like that, just a small scene of a cameo that would mm-hmm. have so much impact. I agree. And I, I really think they should have gone there. Uh, he that sees was a her looking in the window or something, you know, from outside, and he walks outside yeah. to say, "Wanda, you can't do this. Please, we're happy here." Right? And she just I'm, blasts him. You know, I like, could feel I could feel it when you described that. That's it, that's literally all it would take. Yeah. Uh, and it would it and it, it, they could have definitely done that. It, it was probably a scheduling issue, a money issue, or maybe they just didn't think of it. I can't imagine though that they didn't think of a way to include Vision in this, and I just wonder why they didn't. The multiverse of madness. I, I mm. yeah, I enjoyed it. I'm a I'm an Elizabeth Olsen fan, so this was a this was a, a one that I really loved and I was really looking forward to. And uh, spoiler alert, knock on wood, she just signed mm. a, a deal with uh with Di- with Marvel with Disney. She she resigned, okay. so I think we're gonna be seeing a lot of her moving forward in in right projects, uh, which I love I love to see. So, TK, give us some of your uh. Your final thoughts as we finish up Doctor Strange and we're going to be headed on to uh, to Miss Marvel next. Well, I just thought it was a great time uh, at the movies. I was happy to go see it and uh, walked out of the theater like very pleased. And it, I'm going to echo the sentiments I made about Moon Knight that, you know, I I'm at a point where I've seen so many Marvel movies and my standards are high and I, I, I want them to continue to surprise me and, and go into new places. And I don't want them to retread too much over you know ground that they've gone over um this felt despite my complaints it felt fresh enough it felt new enough it felt um it had style and flair uh that the marvel movies have in my opinion been lacking a little bit as of late 
And so that just re-injected a lot of interest on my part into the MCU. On another level, I still feel like there's a gap that the Marvel movies need to close where they get to that prestige level of I think they they achieved it for the most part on Endgame and certain movies here and there in their uh in their release schedules uh and in their history but there's just like an uncanny valley between the Marvel movies and the top tier of other properties I'll I'll use like Dune as an example the recent Batman um even Top Gun I just saw Top Gun it had a realism and it was a very like Top Gun Maverick is kind of a stupid, like a stupid movie. It's very well done. The, the the story of it is is kind of like kind of dumb, but in a great way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if that makes sense, everything yeah. about the way it's done and the characters on screen and the shots, it feel it feels real because a lot of times it is actually real. But there's just a visceralness to it um, that I just feel like the the MCU is not quite achieving. Uh, and they did. They have achieved it. Like I feel like Iron Man, the first Iron Man movie, at least the first two acts. Most of that movie feels like a real film, uh, for lack of a better word. There's there's shots uh, in that film that hold up for their realism and their texture, uh, and that they feel timeless. Whereas sometimes these new releases feel a little bit piecemealed. Like they were made like. Computer which they are. Yeah, no, they're, I know. They're, they're made by yeah. multiple computer farms, like on different sides of the world, by different people all coming together. And that's a beautiful thing in its own right, but it's not like that same, like singular, like auteur like vision authentic. that you get. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's, I, I agree with you. Yep. They just, and, if they can close that gap, and maybe it's going to take working with more Sam Raimi's and getting, getting mm-hmm. actual filmmakers and giving that's them a, a little bit more reign. Mm-hmm. Uh, to let them to really do their thing and, a little bit because then they can and add, more time. Yeah, they yeah. can add their own flavor to everything, and yeah. it'll feel a little bit maybe more real and not as produced. You know, yeah, not as. Put I think together. if they if they start using the volume more too, which I imagine that's going to be the the industry standard. Uh, the Batman looked so real. Everything about the the Batman, no, nothing looked green screen. It's because they used the volume. Um, yep, Mandalorian very much the same thing i mean that really they pioneered that tech in mandalorian so i think with the more they use that and, and fine-tune that tech they're gonna they're gonna get better with that but there's still an issue of like compositing and cg stuff where it feels like i'm looking at a guy on a soundstage and i i i want to get to a point where in these movies you don't that, disconnect like that yeah mm-hmm. yeah i i want to be able to to not not have to uh suspend my disbelief i want the movie to do that for me it's not where we have where we are in technology it it can be done we've seen it done that's why we want it to be done right we're not asking for something that's impossible to be done we see them do it enough to where we hold them to a high standard and they should be held to a high standard right with as much as they ask from us from um us as fans and with the content and and we need to hold them to a high standard too and we do um and so we'll we'll always mention things that are Maybe a little bit off, or things that could have been done a little bit better. There, uh, there weren't too many of them in Doctor yeah. Strange. A few things here and there, but lots of things that TK and myself were big fans of. And as we yeah. move along to Miss Marvel, so you and I are recording on June the fourth. I'm actually going to a wedding in Oklahoma next uh, next weekend. A good a good buddy nice. of mine on. Uh, so I'll, I'll be there 
Saturday, Sunday. So I think you and I will probably do because Miss Marvel comes out on June the eighth. So just a few days mm-hmm. after when we're recording. If you're up for it, I think we'll do a, we'll record after the first two. So let's yeah, watch the first great. two, and then in two weeks we'll meet up on the weekend, and then we'll go week to week after that. So we'll get the first two, um, and then in two weeks when I'm back, we'll record. We'll get those two out of the way, and then we'll hit week week to week. And then, man, think about it. Once we're done with Miss Marvel, it's going to be Non-stop. Thor. Thor, yeah, Love, and Thunder, yeah. and we're just like, boom, 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 She-Hulk after that. Later yeah. in the year, we've got Ant-Man because people are already talking about Quantumania and Kang and everything. So, whoo. Daredevil was just announced for Season who knows four. when after I'm that. I'm so pumped for that. That's going to be oh, great. That'll be And awesome. then non-Marvel stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm stoked for Avatar. I got to say that, too. They, they showed too. the Avatar the trailer, um, trailer oh, yeah. before. And uh, just another example there of like it can be done like these spectacle movies, these like heavy CG movies, like there, there's a level of craftsmanship and time and attention and auteur, um, you know, approach that you can really elevate a movie like, like what the MCU is doing. And I think at the attention to detail that, you know, Cameron, somebody like Cameron gives to avatar, I would love, love, love for the MCU to have that, you know, that kind of, leeway that kind of the time to put together the movies i know the schedule is so demanding there it's it's all a balancing act of that of like all this huge cast that you know they're trying to wrangle in dozens and dozens of high profile actors and all their schedules and stuff and then the machine of like the the studio and all the different projects happening at the same time and the release schedule that they have to stick to that's why they have to make the compromises that i i'm complaining about Avatar 2, this is a movie that's a sequel that's like years in the making. A decade. Yeah. They they like they're waiting to get it right. And like that's the type of thing that I wish we had just a little bit more of in the MCU. And I actually don't think they have to go that far. <laughs> like that doesn't have to be 10 years, but just a little more time. If if No Way Home had uh, an extra six months to work on the CG or to do shoots or uh, you know, like if they just expanded their schedule just a little bit more. Um, expanded, I don't know, budgets. If they, they, these things are already pretty expensive, but if they just gave it a little bit more time, I think they could increase the the quality of these things. But they're balancing quantity and quality, and I think you know, to their credit, they're doing a, a great job. We're still here talking about these things, and uh, just about as excited as when they started. So, if not more so. So, uh, I, I think uh, that's that's definitely to their credit, and Kevin Foggy to thank for that and uh yeah i'm i'm still in i'm still a marvel fanboy and uh i'm stoked for for miss marvel i actually have a small connection to the show in that i used to um i used to be a pet sitter and one of my clients was actually one of the directors on the show awesome so that'll be an interesting (laughs) uh thing to see uh her work there her and her husband lovely people both in the industry um and uh yeah i'll I'll definitely point that out when, when we get to those episodes Cool. Well, uh, we'll be talking with TK in a couple <laughs> weeks. We'll hit on episodes one and two of Miss Marvel. And anytime there's anything going on in the world of MCU and Marvel, you know, we'll be here talking about it with Tim on That's What G Said. Make sure to give him a follow at Tim Is Not Funny on Twitter and on Instagram. Check out the uh, ice cr- uh, t- t- check out their uh, their music <laughs> project, uh, Ice Cream Fire, uh, buddy. How? Uh, how I can't even say how much I'm thankful for you. What it's been like these last oh. couple of years, man. We get all these movies. We've just finished up Moon Knight. Yeah. It's such a blast. It's one of my favorite times of the week. So you enjoy yourself, 
And uh, let's you. talk Miss Marvel in a couple weeks. All right. Same to you. Thank you for uh, for having me, and uh, I look forward to it. Take care. That's Tim Kelly. You'll hear him each and every week when we have Marvel MCU movies, uh, TV shows, and deep dives to discuss on That's What She Said. That's going to do it for this episode of That's What G Said. You probably noticed the schedule right now with uh, with Louisiana Downs and some of the shows that we're covering. We're tweaking a little bit as uh, we have a new episode that's sort of coming out earlier in the week where we can recap Obi-Wan, we can talk a little Marvel MCU, and then we can get you prepped up for Louisiana Downs Tuesday. So we'll always have the uh, episode that comes in to preview everything big happening for the weekend, weekend sports, weekend racing. But now we can uh, just kind of tweak the schedule based on some of the shows that we're covering, some of the tracks and races that we're covering. Always more and more here on That's What G Said. Make sure to give me a follow. It's it's me, Gino B, on Twitter. Big thanks to TK, Tim Kelly for helping us out, Matt Velasco for helping us out with uh, Star Wars. We'll be back with more in just a few days for you. Have a great rest of your week, folks.